Heel Nerds Wrestling Podcast. Yes, 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 y'all. Here we are, back once again like the Renegade Masters. Hello, how's things? With the ill behaviour. Did you like that song? I did, yes. That was a good song, wasn't it? Who was it by? Uh, I'm not sure. I think they were called Wild Child. Wild Child? I remember it. It's like a One It Wonder from the 90s, isn't it? Kind of like a dance music, One It Wonder from yeah, the 90s. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, it's a good song. It's very good, good song. very good. Anyway, yeah man, I'm good. How the hell are you? Yeah, man, I'm good. Uh, not been up to a hell of a lot. Just, you know. Thrilling. Surviving and thriving. Surviving and thriving. Perspiring. Despi- um, depending on the, uh, obviously the, uh, depending the on the activity, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. But yeah, been good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, man. Not too bad. Not good. too bad. Uh, went to a show on Friday. Indeed. Today's special episode away from the horrible history. We're doing a review show of sorts. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna tell you about the show, and we're gonna go off on many tangents. I am very sure. Yeah. 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 So uh, the show I went to go and see. Um, what was the day on Friday? We're on the 25th today, are we? 24th, I believe. Today. Today's the 25th. Is 24th. You were right. I'm 24th. sorry. Uh, so Friday the 22nd. Yeah. It would be. Um, I went to a show. Of uh, November, by the way, just of case. November 2019. Yeah, yeah, it's November 2019. Uh, I went to a show called Tetsujin is fucking dead. Mm-hmm, that's the name of the show. Excellent. Um, it was at the um, the Fairfield Social Club in Manchester, which is a very interesting venue. Yeah, and it was good. Nice. So, give us a little bit of more background information. Uh, what is this Tetsuji is fucking dead promotion all about? Tetsujin, Tetsujin or Tetsujin, if you like. Uh, I think it's a word of Japanese origin, and I suppose you would call it shoot style or hybrid wrestling. Ooh. Basically, uh, it was the third show of its kind to be run in the UK. Uh, so, th- th- and they did them in stages. So, they were called stage one, stage two, stage three. Uh, this was stage three. Tetsujin is, is is fucking dead. Apparently, they did that because Tetsujin is a word of Japanese origin. Yeah, and, it sounds uh, Japanese. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think if I remember, it was inspired by um, like Street Fighter and the like. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. and so what sort of uh, on the show? So it's a shoot style. Yeah, promotion. and I, I, I'll go on a little bit about what Tetsujin means. Um, the bloke who uh, was like one of the co-runners of the show, whose name I forget unfortunately uh but he, he was on the tuesday night jaw podcast okay um with um with matthew telly richards and he explained it on that and uh tetsujin means iron man and the first uh place the bloke who runs it who i sh- name i should have fucking put to one side but i didn't unfortunately but first time he heard the word tetsujin which means iron man um was on remember games master uh games no. master from the 90s the, the game show with um the big head with the monocle um, itches. Who's the bloke? The Sky at Night bloke. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, you do. You do. Um, so, do you remember the show, Games Master? I've, it rings a bell, but I can't remember it. In it, was a, it was a video. It was a show about, about video games. It was hosted by a bloke called Dominic Diamond. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, the, the video games. Patrick Moore. Patrick, Patrick Moore is the Sky at Night, the astronomer guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 
Well, he, he was he was like a, the big giant head on that, and basically they had um, uh, competitions on that, and I think it was a Tekken competition where this one bloke had to um, uh, beat like a hundred straight games of Tekken or something like that. Okay, yeah, this and is they now... called him the Tetsujin, and Tetsujin means Iron Man. Excellent. So it's the so this is this show is called what was it Tetsujin. Tetsujin is fucking dead. It's so fucking dead. It's the last show that they're able the to Iron do. The Iron Man is fucking dead, basically. And it's the last show of how many did they do in three. a run? Three. So they do a run of three shows of these uh, sort of shoot-style mm-hmm. wrestling matches. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, wrestling they never thought they'd do more than say. one, basically. And they never thought they'd do more than one. So they do a run of three. Mm-hmm. This Is it only the last one that's called Tetsujin is fucking dead? Yes, yes. The other two, which so is called the, Stage 1 and Stage 2. It's the very last one. So it's the Iron Man is dead, Tetsujin. Uh, my first question would be, well, Tetsujin is just the name of the company. Basically, they're saying this is the last show the company is going to do. Yeah, yeah. My first question would be, how did the setup differ to what a normal pro wrestling promotion that you'd go to? Oh, very, very, very different. Very, very different. So, um, like I said, it's if you like shoot style. Um, so, if you don't know what that means, um, shoot, which is an over word, an overused word in, in pro wrestling, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Shoot just means real. Yeah, it? so shoot, and you get, I think it's one of those words that's being used for a different, a lot of different aspects of professional wrestling, yeah. such as shoot interviews, so real yeah, yeah. interviews, yeah. shoot promos, as in real promos that wrestlers, you know, they're talking from the heart sort of thing. Yeah, non, non, non-scripted if you non-scripted like. Non-scripted if you like, real from the heart stuff, but it all or, or originates from shoot style wrestling, which is essentially the first ever kind of wrestling where people would be real they'd be wrestling for real but it won't, it, well, it won't have been called that then back no in the but it's turn of the century or... that's what people call it, that's what people call it now is the shoot style wrestling yeah correct, correct yeah and that's where that's where the word shoot in terms of wrestling originates I believe I, I believe so I believe so uh, uh, for another another little term so jr very famously in the Bret Hart show Michael's feud documentary said that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart worked themselves into a shoot, meaning that they worked together in storylining sort of kayfabe. So they cooperated. Cooperated, with... and then they worked themselves up so much with their promotions against each other that they worked themselves to the point where they were actually legitimately hating each other. Yeah, they, so they worked were... themselves into a shoot. So shoot can also mean a feud between wrestlers. That's a shoot feud. I think in that, in that sense, they basically were saying they were co-workers who were cooperating with each other, trying to come with the best outcome of the match, but from past personal histories, they drew on those personal histories so much on television that they grew to genuinely dislike each other. Yeah, they worked themselves into a shoot. Yeah. In their promos, not in their matches, though. Their yeah. matches were still worked. Yes. But this... Well, so... this is why I have a problem with shoot-style wrestling, because so shoot-style means real style, but surely... All wrestling is supposed to have a facet of real combat about it. I agree, but at the same time, when a match is legitimate and isn't worked, how would you then differentiate it between a match that is without calling it something different? You're right. I'm be I'm just being <laughs> devil's advocate, like I always do. I mean, an argumentative little twat, as as I always do. Yeah. I mean, I will remind you that I didn't come up with the term shoot style wrestling <laughs> yeah, as much as I would like. 
but um, yeah, so how did the, how did the whole show sort of before you get into the matches? Mm-hmm. How did the whole show from you getting there through you to you from you walking through the venue door mm-hmm. to you sitting to your seats? There were no seats for one. No seats. There you go. There's there's first thing to you get into ringside um, to the first bell. Mm-hmm. How did this differ from, like, say, a normal independent wrestling show? Well, I, well for one, I really like the venue. For one, uh, Future Shock do shows there apparently sometimes. Shout out, sh- shout out to the Fairfield Social Club. In yeah, have you, been, have you been before? I've been before, but not for a wrestling event. I went to go see Trainspotting Two there at one of the um, one of the arches. If you don't know, if you're not from Manchester, I mean, I didn't know until very recently, but the Fairfield Social Club is basically the old Piccadilly train station in Manchester. It's in a kind of it's back behind the current new big shiny Piccadilly train station. And it's basically, it's all old brick Victorian arches. Yeah, it? very old school sort of. Very old, very uh, Victorian looking, industrial kind of looking. And you're literally going through a very old brick archway into what will have been part of the train station originally. So it's all exposed brickwork everywhere. Um, for this match in particular, uh, sorry, for this um, show in particular, they made it so that th- there were some seats. There were maybe a dozen or more seats for people who might have needed to sit. Um, but the idea is it's got a very Fight Club-esque kind of vibe about it. So you could literally, and I did in the end, you end up next to the ring apron so close that you can bang on the ring to cheer, wow. to cheer, to cheer wrestlers on. How full was this compared to, say a smaller independent show like Future Shock, which maybe draws about two to 300 people. Oh, God, it's very difficult to say and count them, but it's maybe 150-ish, maybe more. I don't know, but it so felt... very intimate. Very, very intimate. It's, a perfect, it's the perfect venue for it. And it's it works because it's a niche within a niche, this kind of wrestling. Because... I would say wrestling, independent wrestling as a whole, is is niche. Like, you're not getting everybody going to independent wrestling shows. You're getting nerds like us and families. So those are the two kinds True. of people in, who go to wrestling in shows. The UK, in the UK. In the UK. Especially. Well, that's all we can really draw on because, unfortunately, I've never been to an independent show in the US. They can be bigger from what I've been to, but that's only over Mania weekend I've been. Yeah, so which that's is a big deal. Because that's really more of it's more of a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, that's a very skewed perspective. So yeah. as in the sort of monthly, weekly shows that we have here that are run by independent promotions, they tend the crowds tend to be made up of like as Nick says, they're wrestling fans, but either sort of the very, very hardcore wrestling fans. Nerdy cunts like us. Yeah, like us. Or they're made up of families who are sort of taking their kids out for the weekend who maybe watch WWE on TV and want to take their kids to see some live and that's, wrestling. that's the family-friendly shows. There are, you know, very specific kind of shows. And like... they do get their diehard followings. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. But you're not drawing... Those independent shows aren't drawing people who are like the casual viewer to wrestling. Typically, they're not drawing like the casual sort of the viewer, the casual ma- the casual mania viewer, a guy who watches wrestling once or twice a year. Those independent shows aren't drawing them. So this is... Our independent shows are kind of like a niche within wrestling fans. And this is a niche within that because this isn't even normal professional wrestling as you would understand it. No, it's uh, shoot style, so it's a lot more, well, entirely legitimate and a lot more brutal, I imagine. Oh fuck yeah, mate! This is these. This was stiff, man. This was stiff. So basically, uh, you go. I've gone. I've gone through into these arches, and it's, it's a really cool venue. It's kind of it's kind of hipster. The venue, um, like they're selling tempura corn dogs and IPA, 
Like, what 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 other indie show have you been to? Like, my my I usually go to Stockport Town Hall or the uh, Masonic Guildhall, which mm. is proper old school venue style. It's an old town hall kind of style. This place, like I said, it's still in ten- Tempora Corn Dog as an IPA. Yeah, the closest I think I've come to that is going to see Progress Wrestling at at the warehouse, Victoria, the warehouse. Victoria Warehouse, which outside had sort of a artisan burger van that was really 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 overpriced and then had sort of craft beers ish yeah around that were also overpriced but that more like victoria warehouse tries more so to give that kind of vibe but it is a little bit more corporate i think it is and it? i think it because it's, fashion. it's not fucking to, McDonald's. <laughs> not to alienate anyone who's not from manchester but the victoria warehouse is sort of so far removed from ev- anything else that they can get away with charging a bit more for when you're in the venue yeah. for beer and for food because you don't have any other options to go anywhere else and buy food somewhere else. You mm. have to get it there if you're at that show. This is true. Um, however, we're getting a, a little bit into aside. tangents here. So they've, so you've, you've got the venue. It's a bit of a hipster venue. They've got... Uh, it's like an underground fight club. It very much reminds me of... Tempura hot dogs and craft beer. <laughs> it looks yeah. like an underground fight club. There's about 150 really hardcore fighting fans there very much so uh, and i think you do get pro wrestling fans and fight fans there as well maybe more to the pro wrestling side but i'm a big fight fan as well as you know so is the crowd it's my perfect niche for me <laughs> i think i'll know the answer to this before i ask the question but i'm asking it on behalf of anyone who's wondering who's never been to a shoot event before is the crowd similar to that of a wrestling crowd or are they a lot more of the type of crowd that maybe go to see MMA or boxing, are they a lot more there for fighting and competitiveness, or are they a lot? There? No, the wrestling fans. Are they wrestling? The, fans? They're okay. the wrestling fans. Yeah, they might, have, that might, be the they case. might be wrestling fans who have an interest in MMA. Yeah. But the 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 wrestling fans, there's not many people there in in rash guards and shit and fucking. <laughs> yeah, there's not many people there who would follow sort of fight TV's app and. Well, they might do, but there weren't many people. Like I've been to a good many MMA shows. Yeah. Right. And you go to MMA shows and you see a certain type of fan. So you'll see you'll see couples and whatnot as well, but you'll see a lot of large muscular men wearing their gym's shirt. Yeah. And wearing tap out gear. Yeah. And wearing affliction gear. Mm-hmm. And people who generally look like they train. Yeah. This so, more of people who look like wrestling. I nearly wore my twelve gauge MMA shirt, yeah. um, but I decided not to in the end. That's a gym that I train at twice a week just for kickboxing. And it's an interesting comparison draw here because you get very th- few athletes at independent professional wrestling shows. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. trying to tread lightly, eh? You're not trying to upset our fan base. Eh? I'm not trying to upset anyone, but I'm just saying, <laughs> if you went to an independent wrestling show, there's not many people with very chiselled, athletic physiques that would be wearing, you know, their gym's own clothes there. Yeah. You know, proud that they train once. Right. Well, once. you've been to indie shows in Manchester with me before. Do you know who was there? Many a time. Do you know who was there? Every couldn't you see at every independent show in Manchester? You oh, really? Re- you recognise the majority of the faces. Was the guy with massive hands that likes to clap there? He wasn't as as it happens. No. He, he wasn't there as it happens. Yeah. But a lot of other people you would recognise. You will. You will. To you open will. up the inside joke, there's these twin brothers that go to. Are they pr- twin brothers? Yeah. Yeah. These these twin brothers that go to pretty much every independent wrestling show that is on in Manchester. Well, everyone we've been to. <laughs> everyone that we've been to, and there are pretty much all of them. You see them at like cons and stuff like that, and they're very recognisable because they're both huge. They're really really tall, and they massive could, hands. They could honestly sit in a venue 
not have any wrestling happen in the ring and entertain themselves for the full like three hours of a show oh, with no it. wrestling matches on. They sit in, you know, the term going into business for yourself and then the term that flip that sort of evolved from that into the crowd going into business for themselves, such as NXT shows early on and stuff like that. These guys epitomize that. They want... They, w- they would love if they do love whenever they get a reaction from one of their chants out of the wrestler in the ring and they strive for that every show, which is fair enough if they didn't strive for it every 30 bloody seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, it is cool if you start a chant off and people join in. Yeah, but fuck me. Give it a rest. Yeah, right. yeah, and all lads. Yeah, not every match. Every, <laughs> minute, every minute of every match. Yeah. But uh, so they weren't there. No, no. But a lot of people you would recognise were there, and um, yeah, it wasn't necessarily MMA fans. I think it was just more people who are into Britress. Yeah. More than anything else. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't speak to everybody there. British wrestling for. Yeah, Brit Britress. That's what it's known. It's known as Britress. I know. I was just you know informing people. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. I didn't talk to that many people there. I went with. A mate, um, Dom, who you know, uh, he's um, a big MMA fan, as am I. Mm-hmm. So we both appreciated it on the same level, I think, because he's a big MMA and wrestling fan, and I'm a big MMA and wrestling fan. But I didn't necessarily speak to everybody else there, but I didn't hear many other people. So I was going, uh, oh, nice one, nice one, circle left, throw the low kick, nice one, pull guard, sweep, you know, use your teep kick, shit like that. Whereas, whereas everybody else is just kind of going, go on, go on, go on, guy, go on, wrestler, go on, Jordan, this kind of thing. Whereas you're there, you know, like a manager in his corner. Well, I, when I watch MMA, that's what I do. That's yeah. what I do. Pull guard, sweep, stand up, circle left, use your left, use your left hook. You know, go for a shot. You're you're the armchair, you're the armchair fighter here. You're the armchair coach, if you like. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, right. Because I train a little bit. Yeah. By no means a fighter, but I train a little bit, and so I watch got... and I watch a lot of MMA. Does that not? Does it, that? It gives you a little bit more leverage to do it. You've than done you a time. You've done a couple of classes of pro wrestling training, have you not? I have. Yeah. How many classes did you do? Uh, like four. Four classes, right? Yeah. Did that increase your um, enjoyment of watching wrestling? Like you. Right, so like whenever you watch a film, right, you studied media as did I to a degree, yeah. yeah. Do, do you, these days when you watch films, do you analyze them or just enjoy them? I can switch that on and off. You can switch it on and off. Yeah. Right. I can sit and watch a film. Usually, the way it goes with films, not to divert into films, but I'll watch a film once for enjoyment, and then if it's a film that I really found the process of it to be interesting, mm-hmm. or where I thought there was more than just sort of the standard way that they may. Mm-hmm. Uh, make a film mm-hmm. and construct scenes. When I watch it again, I have like an analyzing head on, or try yeah, to right, break, okay. break it down. But I which means you enjoy off. it on two different levels. Yeah, it does. Um, same with, thing. With, same with, thing. R- same thing with me. Same yeah, thing with me and, with and, mar- and I mean, martial arts. The four classes I did fighting. was a long time ago, and to defend myself is to those people going like, "You only went to four classes." The reason I stopped after four is because I realized that if I was to continue doing it at that time in my life, I had no way of being able to commit like you had to especially at the time to going there to make myself respectable at least yeah you'd have to go at least once or twice a month 
No, it'd have to be more, more than that. At the, at the time, it'd be more than that. At the time, I would have been able to commit to even going once a week. But at the time... Did you go... Sorry to start interviewing you now, but did you go with the intention of actually ever wrestling a match, or did you just do it for shits and giggles? Well, this is another thing, which is where I was sort of a bit naive. I went because I really, really wanted to do it. Other than that, I had no more forethought. I knew it would take a lot of commitment, but this is way, way before wrestling had its boom. This will be ten years ago. This will be a good ten years ago now. Where did you go? Did you go to Future Shock training? Yeah, uh, Max Jim in Failsworth was it? Yeah, I went to the Future Future Shock one in Failsworth, and I went four times. And I realized at the time there was very much wrestling hadn't hit its boom, so there wasn't as many people involved in it. In British wrestling, like in wrestling, Br- wrestling had a few booms prior to that. In like. British wrestling, <laughs> it, it was way before the current wrestling, the British, the current British wrestling boom. Mm-hmm. And I realized at the time, if I wanted to actually be respectable whatsoever, even getting in and like, you know, jobbing for someone at some point. Mm-hmm. I would have had to go five days a week for you know several months. Well, as you and as as you bloody should. Yeah, <laughs> as you should. And I realised after four sessions that I wasn't capable of doing that, so I didn't want to embarrass myself or embarrass the um, the art profession. Form. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the profession that I love so much. So that's why I left. I didn't. I didn't leave because like bumping hurt. I bumped a few times, and you know it does hurt like fuck. And you know running the ropes, canes. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that you know everyone always says, but honestly. Try doing it. Running the ropes properly fucking hurts. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't because of that that I stopped. I stopped because I realized that I didn't have the ability or maybe even the drive to put in as much work as I would have needed to. As would have been required yeah. to respect the industry. Yeah, and I really didn't want to disrespect it, disrespect it so I, I stopped going. Yeah, fair play. But um, we digress slightly, obviously. But um, like when you watch wrestling now, for example, like I've... Did more done more than four classes of Muay Thai and kickboxing. I've done it for several years. Yeah, I've never fought. I've never I've never had a fight. I sparred no. a bit, but that has enhanced my enjoyment of watching martial arts. I've watching kickboxing and MMA. Yeah, so this gets. I'm back. not saying I'm better than fucking John Jones or bloody Darren Till or whoever. I'm watching a fight, but I like to see. I can watch that and in, I can see what they're trying to do and enjoy it more. So. As a martial arts fan, I was watching. I was watching that as both because it is a work and it's entertainment. But I was watching that. I was watching it with a quite martial arts scrutinous head, shall we say? Yeah. Which pretty much everybody on that card, as far as I could tell, had a legitimate background of some description. You would fucking hope so. You know, if you, <laughs> if, if you went to a shoot promotion without a legitimate background and you were just some hard nut, that's one not going to be very entertaining. Two, probably very, very dangerous for yourself. Mm-hmm. And three, I think that would go back to the respect, very much disrespect. But, well, well, it does work. It does work. Because in the very first Tetsujin show, both first two of the Tetsujin shows are available on YouTube to watch. Where You should watch the first one. The first one's very good. Um, it has a match. The first one's a tournament, by the way. First one's a tournament, by the way. And it has matches. Uh, the, the opening match is uh, Jack Gallagher, who as you may well know, as an MMA and jiu-jitsu yeah. background, an amateur wrestling background, against... Um, why the hell is his name escaped my fucking head? Why is his name escaped my head? Liverpool's number one, Zach Gibson. There we go. I was about to say it, but you got there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Name just escaped my head for a second there. But Zach Gibson, has, as far as we know, and as far as was discussed on Tuesday Night Jaw, no legitimate combat sports background. 
they announced him as a Lord Mount Evans style professional wrestler, which is obviously the British rounds style wrestling, which is how he cut his teeth when he was coming out in the business. But that's that style of that that style of wrestling is more akin to sport in competition, isn't it? The old world of sport style. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting that because he has no sort of competitive background. No, no, no background in judo or jiu-jitsu or amateur wrestling. Or... But it's interesting because you know when you talked about your your own sort of background in the the kickboxing and stuff that you've done before and you said that you've done it for several years and you've sparred but you've never had a match yeah his is almost the reverse of that because i think to take from my very 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 limited knowledge to take it from sparring to a match is like a whole nother step you've got to take in competitiveness and being in front of people and having this sort of drive and adrenaline there to fight in front of anyone Mm. whereas he's gone the other way whereas he's obviously fought wrestled in front of a lot of people mm-hmm. and he's sort of already done for that side many, of it for, for many years for like. many years so he's done that side of it of a, of a performance aspect and he's very comfortable being in front of an audience watching him and then all his he's obviously well i say all but what he has to then do is incorporate his wrestling background into a shoot sort of style mm-hmm. so he's gone like the other way if that makes sense so he's so all he needs to do is make his holds 10 times more snug lay his shit in yeah and you know get the holds on without someone bending the head over for him. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. But they will be allowing him to do so. Still. Yeah. To a degree. Yeah, to a yeah, to a degree because shoot wrestling does we say the phrase blur the lines too much on this podcast. But that's the phrase I'm going to use again. Shoot wrestling does have a very sort of thin layer of I'm going to let you do this for a, a second or so, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, and there's sometimes when it's yeah, fairly bad to watch. Like, I don't say bad to watch, good to watch. But like, I mean, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go on. I mean, I'll, I may as well may as well start off with. I'll go a little bit more into what actually happened in the actual. Go on. So we'll we'll take it chronologically. So <laughs> we're going through Nick's journey at the show. He's got there. Hot dogs, fancy beer, posh venue ish. Kind of looks like Fight Club. <laughs> Hundred and fifty nerds there. You know, no. A very few actual MMA or as far as I can fight tell. fighting fans there. As far as I can tell. And now the first bell's about to ring. First oh, well, match. no, before 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 the first bell. Oh, here um, we go. It's quite what well, it's quite interesting. Uh, have you ever watched Pride? And an MMA, the Japanese MMA promotion. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they had a pretty cool. Um... Actually, no, I don't know whether the announcement was first, but. Um... The ring announcer comes out. Matthew Richards comes out. The ring announcer, and he, he explains what the show is. Thanks everybody for coming. Never thought there would be a third show. Uh, he's kind of affiliated that he helps put on the show a little bit, and he's the ring announcer. And um, he explains the the rules, um, which I love the show and I love the the packaging of the show. I maybe would have liked maybe a little bit more rules than what was said, but maybe I'm thinking more on the martial arts head, MMA head than a pro wrestling head. The only rules that he gave were um, one uh, so one round with no time limit. No time limit? No time limit. I believe. Okay. I may stand corrected on that, but I believe it was one round with no time limit. Uh, only a knockout or submission wins the match, and you only get three rope breaks. Okay, I see. 
But there was... And you can win by knockout or submission. But what I would have liked... I, hate, I do hate being fucking critical. I really do, because I like to support independent people. But if I am... If you're going to twist my arm to be critical, Scott, um, I would have liked a 10 count. A 10 count? Yeah, I would have liked a 10 count. So, like, for a knock, uh, for knock a knockout? For a knockout. otherwise, yeah. how would you know it was a knockout? There was no 10 count. There was no no mention of a 10 count. Somebody somebody in the crowd overheard me talking to, her, to Dom about it. And he was like, well, well how, could, how could the rules be more clear? Well, I was just like, well, I would, if, if there's no 10 count, why wouldn't he just ground and pound him? Very good point. And people were generally like, so there would be a hard, like, in shoot style that you may have seen, like, there'll be a hard slam, a hard suplex, or a, or a hard strike that forces a knockdown. But the other the other wrestler would generally stand and wait for them to either stand up. Yeah, for basically for them to stand up. So, yeah. I think a 10 count maybe would have been utilised a little bit more because otherwise, why, why would you not just ground and pound? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, you know what, this is a very... Me, it's just me being hypercritical. That's all it, that's all it is. It's just me being critical. This is me sort of thinking... Being the cunt that I am. This is me sort of thinking on the spot, kind of, so I might have... I might be just talking shit here. Spitball, kid. But I think in modern times, with the rise of MMA... And you see this, I think you see this, in my opinion, you see this a bit more boxing now, is we're a lot more used to, rather than have a 10 count, the referees coming in and just doing a TKO straight away. You know, coming you in and waving You do see that a lot in boxing. It's one of the reasons I stopped watching boxing. Yeah, you, so you see, I think you see, I, watch I think you see that a lot more now than you used to. You know, and I think a lot of that might be to do with the rise of MMA, and maybe that had some influence over it. When you think, well, why do we need a tank out when you know if the ref so deems it'll just be a TKO? TKO? Well, actually, maybe I'm. Hmm. See, so thinking about it, obviously, this being more akin to MMA, there is no tank out in MMA, obviously. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's no tank out in MMA. You either knock someone out, mm-hmm. or you ground and pound them until it's a TKO. Yeah, but they were letting people stand back up. Yeah, maybe, was... maybe it's just maybe maybe they were trying to put an honor thing across. I don't know. Quite possibly. Once again, I'm sp- I'm spitballing. I'm spitballing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the. I was just looking through my phone there, so I can find. I can't because it's just completely gone out of my head. Even though we spoke about before, the 70, 70s and eighties Japanese shoot style promotion that wasn't really a shoot, and it had a points based system. UWF. UWF. There we go. Bloody hell. I don't know why I couldn't find that straight away. You could have just asked me. Yeah, I know, but I wanted to look a bit more slick, slick than that. <laughs> uh, UWF, which became UWFI in the 90s. Yeah, uh, UWFI UWF. is what is what we've watched together. Yeah. Is the stuff that, that you has watch a, on Amazon currently. That has a points-based system to that it. That has a points-based system, yeah. There was, no, this wasn't a points-based system. Um, this was knockout or submission only. Knockout knock or submission only. Only three rape. rape, rape. Only three. Pardon, sunshine. Only three rope breaks. Yeah. Allowed. Yeah. Only three rapes allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Only three rope breaks allowed. Yeah. And the no time limit thing confuses me because. Well, I suppose they maybe try to be a more akin to old school UFC, because there was no time in the first maybe five UFCs there was no time limits. Indeed, but the nerd of me sort of thinking, but surely they must have some sort of a um, curfew on the venue. Yeah, 
Well, bloody hell, Scott! I'm trying. I'm the one who's being overly analytical here. I'm just. I wasn't there, so I'm, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just picking apart. They've not the thought this through. This could be like uh, Hoist Gracie versus Sakuraba at Pride, which you. That's probably a far too nerdy reference for you, Scott. One of those four-hour jobs. What? Have you not heard the st- that story? Right. Um. You know who Hoist Gracie is, obviously. I've heard of him. Yes. Hoist Gracie, the winner of the first UFC, the man who brought jiu-jitsu to America, Gracie BJJ yeah. to America. Uh, do you know who Sakuraba is? No. No. Right, okay. Sakuraba is a Japanese martial artist slash pro wrestler, an absolute legend. They called him the Gracie Hunter. Uh, and he beat several of the Gracie family. And I can't remember what pride it was. I think it might have been at the 2000 Grand Prix. Um, so bear in mind, the Grand Prix is a tournament anyway. Um, so Sakuraba, who is a, he's a catch wrestling specialist and a pro wrestler and an amateur wrestler and an all-round bad motherfucker. Um, because the Gracie family uh, are quite arrogant, really, but they are the the, the fathers of modern MMA. But in this uh, Grand Prix, so the Grand Prix uh, 2001, I think it was open weight as well. Um, they're on opposite sides of the brackets, so you fight several times in a night, basically. And um, because in the original UFCs, which Hoist won the first two, I think it was. And there was no time limit. So he was always saying, in real, real jiu-jitsu, more akin to a street fight, um, if I've got all the time in the world, I will always win. So they um, they put um, special rules in place. So this is after the first brackets went through and Sakuraba and Hoist uh, won, won their own respective fights. Hoist and Sakuraba ended up facing each other. And the Gracie said, right, I want special rules for this. I want there to be no time limit at all. Do you know how long the fight ended up lasting? Go on. An hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. And, and this is in a ring. I think it was, uh, I think they did it in 30 minute, was it 15 minute time? 15 minute rounds, I think they ended up doing. 15 minute rounds, that's a long time 15 minute rounds. Well. And, and uh, Sakuraba won in the end. Um, I think it was, was a t- bad decision. I or? think it was a TKO. Right. No, well, they didn't want a decision. That was the entire point. They was right. like, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is so strong. Yeah, that they do. We will all, we will always win. We'll get the submission eventually. Yeah. Um, but Sakuraba had strikes as well. Yeah, and he was a catch wrestler, which is very akin to Jiu-Jitsu, and ended up winning. But the craziest thing after that, after he won, he actually came out for his. He had another ma- He had another fight that night, which he came out for after fighting for an hour and a half. He came out for another fight, uh, which he ended up losing, basically. I think he tapped due to fatigue. Wow. As you would. Um, but, oh, man, we need to sit down and watch some of my Pride DVDs. We really do. Yeah, man, that sounds good. So, first bell. Let's get let's get into it. Okay. We're, we're half an hour into the podcast and still not at the first bell of the show. Uh, well, I wanted to talk to you about um, Pride. and uh, It was more akin to Pancrase. Do you know, do you know what Pancrase is? Go on, indulge me. All right, okay. So Pancrase was one of the earlier MMA promotions. Uh, the first ever king of Pancrase. If I if I could tell you, let's play the guessing game. You like to you like to put me on the spot several times. Go on and guess. Uh, so if I could tell you uh, an American pro wrestler, so Pancrase was basically it was mixed martial arts before the UFC. Uh, the rules were um, so there were no gloves. It was bare-fisted, but you could palm you could palm strike to the head. So you could yeah, so you could punch, but only palm strikes to the head. Uh, and you could kick, uh, and you wore boots, 
and you're allowed to wrestle and you're allowed to strike on the ground so you're allowed to punch to the body and punch to the head but it was more trying to be submission based and um, it was brought about by pro wrestlers who started a fighting league basically um, Minoru Suzuki you know Minoru Suzuki yeah. uh, it was started by Minoru Suzuki and Masakatsu Funaki um, but if I was to tell you an American pro wrestler who was the first king of Pancrase or an American pro wrestler who was the first king of Pancrase who would you guess? Give me an error here. Give you an error. Okay. 90s WF. Actually still wrestling. He's just he's just come back to wrestling recently. Dead air. This is great, isn't it? I'm thinking. So think, <laughs> think of a, a um, so think of an American pro wrestler with a legitimate martial arts background. A very famous legitimate martial arts background. Ken Shamrock. Well done, Scott. I was going to guess that straight away, but I thought it was too obvious. Yeah, it's Ken Shamrock. That was my first guess, but I was just like, that's too obvious. I'm going to look like a dick. No, no, it's, like, it's Ken Shamrock. Not only Ken Shamrock's got an MMA background, you yeah, fucking it was Ken, it was Ken. Well, Ken Shamrock was a wrestler before he was a martial artist. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah. But I thought, if anything, Nick, that was too easy of a question. Because that was oh. that was the first thing I thought of, but I overthought it, thinking I'm going to look like a dick here, and he's going to be like, "That's definitely not the only person with a legitimate martial arts background." <laughs> in no, but you thought it because it was true. So Ken Shamrock was the fir- was the first king of Pancrase. Wow. Right. Okay. So yeah, Pancrase was very much pro wrestlerish, but legitimate martial arts. And some people says the w- the word works there as well, which we've always discussed the squirreliness of these kind of. There is anytime there's wrestling involved. <laughs> anytime there's pro wrestling involved in any sort of other sport, there's something fucking shady going on. <laughs> Always, a hundred percent of the time. But uh, yeah, very, very, very much so. Um, it reminded me of Pancrase. Uh, the the entire show did. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was it was uh, absolutely cracking. Mate. We'll go to the. We may as well go to the uh, to the first match. How did I get into? Talking about pride, anyway. Oh yeah, that was it. Um, so um, after he introduced the rules and whatnot, and said what was to go forth um, at the beginning of a pride fighting event, they always put on the pride music, which is this kind of cool, ominous music. And but they had their own version of this. And um, on the undercard, they had a thing called what were they called? The top prospects, I think they were called. So kind of like akin to like the young lions in New Japan. So basically, the younger wrestlers, if you like, or younger fighters. Yeah. And they put their own cool groovy music on over the top, and they all came out and started lining up in the ring, and they standing standing like a diamond formation, almost like a football team or something like that. So basically, you you get to see the fighters before they fight. Basically. Oh, okay, I see the. I so see. they all come out and they're all there in there. Um, a lot of them, both kind of like an Olympic sort of thing. Yeah, but they're all wearing Tetsujin t-shirts. Yeah, basically, and they're kind of like they stand there with their arms behind the back and the, ch- and the chest out and the chin down, so you could see all the fighters before they fight, which is what they always used to do at Pride. I don't know if that's a gambling thing or what, because Pride was run by the Yakuza, <laughs> so you could see your fighter before they fought. Yeah. Uh, oh mate, I should have put some bets on. With just people there. It, had, a, people it there. had an underground fight club feel anyway. Yeah, just going hassling people for bets. I mean, that's a good way to get... <laughs> like a right scumbag. It's a good way to get yourself in some trouble. Yeah. Start start a ringer. But I like I like that entrance. Like, you, you all go out and you all see... Because 
a lot of the wrestlers there didn't know prior to that. Some of them did, some of them didn't. But a lot of the wrestlers, especially the undercard, top prospects, young wrestlers, I didn't necessarily know. So it was cool to see them before they before the uh, fight because if you're going to an MMA show, you're not going to know who the undercard fighters are, are you? No. Unless you've watched the weigh-in. Yeah, that's that's got to be like a... Um... It's such a rite of passage for any young wrestler. Like trying, if they were trying to get into professional wrestling, mm-hmm. it's going to be such a rite of passage to go on your journey into professional wrestling. You fight on a shoot promotion. Oh, these there were some young lads on there, eighteen yeah. and whatnot, but they knew what the fuck they were doing. I can yeah, tell you exa- that. Yeah, they knew, otherwise they wouldn't have been booked on the show. No, they wouldn't have been booked and. If they were in the right mind, they wouldn't have put themselves up for it. <laughs> yeah, unless they had the background, yeah. which these people here did. So the first match um, was uh, Jay Joshua, who I'd never heard of, unfortunately, uh, versus Veit Muller. Uh, Veit Muller uh, is a, G- a German fella. Um, so a lot of this is in association with uh, WXW. West Sounds Side. like a yogurt. Veit Muller. <laughs> Veit Muller. Healthy like, bacteria. It's like, a, it's like <laughs> with, with bifidus digestivum. Yeah. El Casai immunitas. All of all that. <laughs> but uh, Veit Muller, um, he he is um, a German gentleman, as you can as you can guess. And he's associated with uh, Ringkampf, or as they're more known now, as Imperium of NXT UK. So, Volta and... Um, What's his fucking name now? Um, what's his name now in, w- uh, in NXT UK? He was known as Axel Dieter Jr. on the Indies. Uh, Marcel Bartel mm-hmm. and um, your other man. But basically, he's associated with them. Ring Kampf. He comes out to the uh, music. You know the music. What? Go on. Da, 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 oh, da, yeah. yeah, the, yeah Volta, the, Volta's music. Volta's music. Uh, which is... Excuse me, got it here. You have to be very elaborate here. I will remind you as you're delving into that of how many of our listeners are now from the US of A. So when we talk about these indie references and stuff, you might have to say he comes out to Volta's music. He comes out to Volta's music. Or if you like... Walter. Volta. Walter. Walter. Mate, maybe we've got some classical music listeners in our fan base. So... Maybe I should say he comes out to Dvorak Symphony Number no. Nine Fourth Movement. Excellent. Didn't so sound... he comes out to Dvorak Symphony Number no. Nine Fourth Movement. Doesn't sound like you read that at all just then. No, nah, mate, I didn't. I knew that. I'm, I'm cultured. Ha 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 ha. But basically, they're in association with Westside Extreme Wrestling (WXW), who Walter came up in, helps to run, and Tommy End used to wrestle. Alistair Black, sorry. Yeah. Used to wrestle. Um, so that's I I've seen I've only seen him wrestle once before, um, and that was um, Progress had the Natural Progression series, which is kind of like their up and comer tournament that they do, and he was on that, and he was um, nominated by Volta, and he he wrestled the OJMO. He lost, but he's kind of like a big stocky, not as tall as Volta, but he's kind of like that big stocky fella, yeah, tough as nails. And he's got that very European style, so which is probably why he was booked on the show. You know, a lot, of, a lot of submissions, hard hitting, hard strikes, and a big barrel-chested motherfucker. Yeah. Basically. So, how did this match go in particular? How did this match go? Let's keep it sort of brief. But what was the what was the end point? What 
was the middle point? What was the out point of the of the actual match? Uh, well, what I mentioned the other man as well. Uh, the other man, I've got to mention people's names. It's it's rude if I don't. Okay. Uh, he wrestled a man called Jay Joshua. He was a big lad uh, out of Wales, uh, repping uh, Dragon Pro Wrestling out of Wales. What was quite good in this, uh, like they do when you announce a fighter at a, a, a mixed martial arts event, they say fighting out of, you know, they'll say out fighting out of American Top Team or whatever in the in the, in MMA. In this, they said fighting out of uh, Dragon Pro Wrestling, so they would say what their home promotion was. That's cool. Like, like it was their gym. Yeah. Which I quite liked. So, so, so for um, Viet Muller, they said representing Ring Camp. For yeah. uh, Jay Joshua, they said representing Dragon Pro Wrestling. Like Dragon Pro Wrestling was a fight gym. Anyone fighting out of the Miyagi Dojo? Nobody fighting out of the Miyagi Dojo. Damn. I'm afraid. Uh, even though I did I did shout out Sweep the Leg at one point. Yes. And somebody off in the distance shouted put him in a body bag. Amazing. Which, 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 which I quite liked. <laughs> I was like, yes to that guy. Yes to that man. Put him in a body bag. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So thank you for liking that. Um. So what 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 was your um what was your what was your main question there, mate? So just a, a sort of a brief breakdown of the the entry point, the middle point, and the end point of this match. Well, I'd started drinking by this point. Okay. Quite heavily. Um. So the match breakdowns aren't going to be as analytical as previous match breakdowns that we did. But let's just say. Um, Jay Joshua definitely had an amateur wrestling background. Did a little tiny bit of research. Apparently, he does have an amateur wrestling background and an amateur MMA background. Uh, he did some lovely um, fireman's carry takeovers. Ooh. Um, and when they're doing this, like it all basically looked like real fighting. The kicks. Viet Muller had some real, real hard kick, and he's a big lad as well. Uh, not many other people in this whole this whole thing threw kicks, but like these were the big lads as well. Yeah, these mainly the bigger the bigger lads on the entire show, and they were throwing some fucking leather. I can't remember if they were wearing kick pads or not, but they were throwing some leather. And like I said, I was I could touch the ring from where I was and bang yeah. on the ring, and there was no there was no thigh slapping the entire night, mate. Not a one. Every slap that you heard was the sound of a boot hitting somebody's oh. appendage. And it was fucking loud. Bret Hart had a little moan about kick pads a while back. Yeah. Remember that? I'm saying yeah. about how when he got kicked, it was none of these pads over trainers. You got hit by a boot. Mm. It was during one of Bret, Hart, Bret Hart's more uh, very bitter phases that he went through where he would just bitch about fucking everything. But he had a he had a little moan. He in I can't remember who he's talking about. I think he might be talking about Daniel Bryan. Um, but he had a little moan about wrestlers these days wearing like sort of kick pads, and you know how back in his day it was just boots. Well, that's the way it was. Maybe if fucking Goldberg was wearing a kick pad, maybe he'd still be wrestling. Yeah, maybe Sid Vicious. That was hard. That was harsh. There was no need for that, was there? Yeah. There was no need for that. I love Bret Hart. There was no need for that. Especially since he was still hit him with the bottom of his boot. It, was a, it did hit him with the bottom of his boot. But though I was thinking Bit about harsh. this. Also, he, maybe Sid Vicious wouldn't have snapped his fucking leg in half. Yeah, yeah, he still would have done. Mm. Yeah, he still would have done. How would wearing a kick pad help that? Well, not wearing huge fucking boots that are tied all the way up to your fucking knees. Maybe you would have had a bit more give. That's support, if anything. Yeah, maybe. I don't think anything... Sid Vicious was where it would have helped him in that instance. Yeah, Unless he was already wearing a cast. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. wouldn't have helped. Maybe um, not, not having rickets. 
could have helped. <laughs> for kids. I don't know. You should have been prescribed some limes prior to the match. Just, you know, throwing shit at the wall, see what sticks. <laughs> see who believes me. Yeah. Riddled yeah. with rickets, Sid Vicious. Not know that. Matt Riddle's got rickets, what? Riddled with rickets, Sid Vicious. Uh, no, I didn't know that. And Matt Riddle. And Matt Riddle, apparently. Yeah. That's where he got the name from. Fucking hell, these are good jokes, aren't they? Anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, so like I said, these lads are, are throwing some uh, some heavy leather here. And uh, Viet Muller gets the win with a sleeper hold. Uh, right. Ooh, controversial. Right. Was for me. Fuck sleeper holds. They're boring as. But no, it's not that. It, they are, but fuck, just fuck sleeper holds. It's not the 70s. The UFC has been a thing since 1993. People know what a rear naked choke is. Yeah. Why would you put one arm across the throat and the other up above their, on their head, touching, squeezing their temple, apparently, I think was, is that what it's implied from a sleeper? You're holding them by the temple. I always thought sleepers... That's what my brother always used to do to me when we were wrestling when we were kids. Yeah. He used to press, press in your temple. Yeah. Which is uncomfortable. But it's not going to send you to sleep, is it? No. Pressing them in the brain until they fall asleep. Fuck sleeper holds. I was sleeper like, holds are fucking I was stupid. Like Wrestling's stupid, but sleeper holds are fucking more stupid. I always like the sleeper hold where you've got one arm around their neck, and then your other arm is hooking their arm up so their arm's above their head. Mm-hmm. So you've got one arm around their neck, mm-hmm. then your other arm's hooking their arm up so their arm's above their head, and then you put your arm behind their head and squeeze. I've always liked those ones. Those I can't picture brutal. it to be honest from the description. Okay. Uh Is it like so are you saying that's a more legitimate looking hold? It's kinda like a half Nelson but with a choke hold in it. Right. That makes sense. If we had a video podcast, I'd cho- I'd, I'd make you show me. Okay. But, but we don't, but so we don't. <laughs> fortunately not. I'll put I'll I'll post a picture. Okay. Yeah. Um but yeah, Fox Leaper holds, they're stupid. People know what a rear naked choke is. They know it's a blood choke, and yeah. what you're trying to do is cut off the blood supply to the brain. Yeah. Fuck sleeper holds. Yeah, I think that, that was the only thing. I, it, other than that, cracking match, really good back and forth. How did, did he tap? Uh oh, that's a very good point. Vimola get... won. Uh, did he tap or was it a, was it a stoppage? Did he go to sleep? Fortunately, I don't remember. Sorry. Oh well, he won. He won. Vitmuller won. Via sleeper hold. Via, via sleeper Controversially. hold. Controversially. Yeah, fuck sleeper hold. Uh, next match uh, was a gentleman named uh, Jordan Brakes versus Michael May. Now, these two had never seen either of them before, but I did me due diligence and I did a bit of research, as as we generally do. Go ahead. Uh, so, Jordan um, Brakes has wrestled for progress a fair bit this year, uh, and he looked like... Um, like a bit of a taller Jack Gallagher with brown hair and big mutton chop sideburns. Ooh, like a proper, you know, pip pip fighter. Yeah, a little bit, little bit. Yeah. Uh, but he was, uh, he had, um, like a de- like a decent decent physique, and he looked he looked like a scrapper. He looked he yeah. looked like a scrapper. Uh, Michael May uh, is a wrestler out of Dublin, representing the Fight Factory, and uh, he wrestled for OTT a fair bit. And he's um, mates with um, or out of the same stable as like Jordan Devlin. And uh, Scotty Davis, um, who's also in this. And uh, so I'm going to assume, by association, Finn Balor. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just going to assume he's mates with Finn Balor somewhere down the line. At, at least a yeah, couple, couple... By association. A couple of friends removed. A couple he's... of friends removed, yeah. Um, and you could tell that these boys could properly, properly grapple. Like They looked like... Uh, it was 
almost like um, an exhibition jiu-jitsu match. Like they had some good like uh, sweeps and shit like that, nice. and people um, were actually like getting mount and pulling guard. And uh, it was very much like a, a hard jiu-jitsu ex- exhibition or catch wrestling exhibition, which I really liked. I don't know how much everybody else really liked it, but like it was it was good. But what made it interesting in this one? Um, Michael May actually starts healing halfway through the match. I don't know if it was intentional prior to it or not. There wasn't a massive amount of character work from everybody else because it's more about the physicality. I was wondering about that. It was one going to be There's one no heels and baby faces, no. Yeah, I was gonna, one of my next questions was going to be in the way of like sort of any sort of promos or storyline or anything. Not not just fight after fight. fight. Fight after fight. Nice. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I, to be honest, it's what I like about watching uh, New Japan. Like it's what I like about watching New Japan. Like what Wrestle Kingdom's just fucking ma- five hours of just match after Straight match match. after match. Well, if you watch, I keep on going back to the UFC, but if you watch a UFC match, uh, a UFC card, I should say, from the first prelim to the headline fight, it's about fucking seven hours. Yeah, just it, just ma- fight after fight, fight after fight, which is what this was more akin to. But Michael May actually, um, uh, your man, um, son of a cunt, what's his fucking name? Jesus Christ! What? Good job this is not a family-friendly podcast. It was Jordan Brakes, sorry. Son of a cunt. <laughs> so um, I think it was a strike that put down Jordan Brakes, and um, he gets him. He gets back to his feet, and Michael May, um, when the referee's telling him to step back whilst, he's, whilst the fighter gets his wits about him, goes in and gives him a hard push to the chest. Ooh. So that was... And that was that was interesting in the context of this show because it was one of the only bits of healing that you that you saw. Yeah, it was one of the only bits of trying to get the crowd crowd. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that was anything to do maybe to get a little bit more of crowd involvement, maybe, and drawing on that sort of professional wrestling maybe so. old trick to get the crowd a little bit more riled up and interested, or do you think you just did it out of pure? He was in the moment. He was in the moment. That's what you want to do at the Very time. Very difficult for me to know that. Really, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, just because obviously... I, I was, reckon it might have been a bit more pro wrestling. It's a shame that I wasn't there. Might, I think it might have been a bit of work. I think it might have been a spot. A bit of a, yeah, a bit of a work sort of thing. Yeah, it might Maybe have been a Maybe even like a, call, like a call on the fly work yeah, where yeah. he's just decided yeah, yeah. to do it. Be like, right, we need I mean, to get he looked, some sort of heat here. He looked like he had intentions to do it. Like, mm. you could his face and his character didn't just look like he pushed him with a straight face he looked like he pushed him like he wanted to knock him out yeah like he was fucking mad at him so that was that was a uh, really interesting in that match and it was it was real snug and, and 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 real real tight you had some nice um you do see in mma a little bit but you'll see more in amateur wrestling you know the older gator roll the gator roll. oh yeah the yeah 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 so yeah. imagine you're fighting a crocodile yeah you roll basically yeah 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 which I like a gator. I like a nice gator roll. But um, Jordan breaks the wins this one with a, a nice um, uh, sort of like a single crab, but it was more almost like a knee bar as well at the same time. So it was a um, it was a nice submission. And, Do you uh, think there's any any submissions that were present in this evening that you went to mm-hmm. that could be transferred over into pro wrestling submissions that would get over that? aren't currently used not that we're on tonight not that we're on this night sorry that i can specifically remember no but it's something that i've thought about you know because obviously there's the likes of the you know a triangle hold yeah was very famously 
moved across. Fucked up by The Undertaker. Yeah, very famously. <laughs> Fucked up royally. You can't do it. Nah, his legs are too big yeah. to do a triangle. Moved across over into pro wrestling yeah. with the Hell's Gate, um, which was just terrible. Yeah, I think it's he, didn't, he didn't even do it right. No, I think the thing but that... But bigger than they found The Undertaker. Well, yeah, I'm, I know, but Jesus Christ, he could be a big bloody gymnast fan. He's not going to start doing moonsaults off the fucking top rope, is he? <laughs> know, know your size. Mm. You know, and I love Taker, obviously, and no one should say a bad word against him. But I think I thought Hell's Gate was shit. How just because, just because I do like MMA, and I'm not as passionately or more as in or as informed in it as you are, but I do like it, and I was obviously aware of a triangle hold and how fucking legitimate and cool they are when they're put in, and the fact that when Taker used to do it, you'd just be like, "There's no fucking pressure there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's nothing there." It's you just... know what I do like, which is a legit submission you don't see in MMA m- much, but in there, I've literally probably done maybe three or four grappling classes in my life. Um, I have had a um. Uh, well, they call it calf crusher. It's a calf slice. Calf crusher. Yeah. Calf crusher. What uh, AJ Styles does. That's a legit submission, you know. Yeah, I know. I was fucking aware of that. hurt. Fucking hurts. Yeah. It's like a mu- it's like pressure on the muscle. It's not like a joint when it's like a muscle pain. Yeah. And um, that's more the other way around. <laughs> yeah. But like, so what? Oh God! What? What don't you see which could uh, translate? Um, knee bars. You do see. Yeah. Knee bars. You do see. Knee bars are one of the worst submissions in the world. If you get somebody in a knee bar. I think armbars made a comeback from Ronda Rousey coming in. They did, they did, but knee bars worse. Yeah. If you've ever been in a knee bar, it's worse than being in an armbar because there's a little bit of give to your elbow, mm. not a lot, but there's a little bit of give to your elbow. Your knee can literally not bend the other way. Yeah. It's not possible. Um, you don't see heel hooks, do you? You don't really, do you? Do you know what a heel hook is? Yes, I know what a heel oh, hook is. You don't want me to show you? No, thank you. <laughs> not a video podcast. Uh, yeah, but, well, heel hooks are banned in um, jiu-jitsu unless you're a brown belt. Oh, really? Yeah. I see, I didn't know that. Yeah, because they're so dangerous. Hmm. Like uh, in Pancrase, Bas Bas Rutan used to Nice win. to know that something that is banned in jiu-jitsu unless you're a brown, brown belt because they are so dangerous... We should allow some cunt wrestler in kit pads to do. Like, yeah, and doing. you wanted to demonstrate on me right now, I do it not in front of cameras, you not having a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. No, no, not even no. a white belt, really. <laughs> exactly. So, funnily enough, Nick, no, I know what they are, and I wouldn't like <laughs> you to do one. Um, guillotines, you see? Yeah, you see guillotines. You see... Anyone could do a guillotine, though, really, can't they? Yeah. Um, see, I'm, not, pro, I'm pro- not a massive jiu-jitsu guy, so I'm not a huge... I mean, I watch some grappling, but... There's a lot of stuff that's, like, in pro wrestling that's, like, sort of being adapted. CM Punk did the Anaconda. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in pro wrestling that's sort of being adapted that you don't see in MMA or uh, shoe fighting, purely because it just wouldn't work unless someone allowed you to, such as a STF would be mm-hmm. v- very, very difficult to get on someone yep. without them just laying prone. Yep. Uh, well, there's some famous videos out there. Like, have you seen the one where uh, I think it's uh, he's with Tony Hinchcliffe on Joe Rogan podcast? He's talking to Tony Hinchcliffe, who's a massive wrestling fan, and he goes through the different uh, like holds to see whether they would be legit. Yeah, and he agrees, and I agree. If you've ever had a figure four put on you by anyone, like if some if you were somehow able to do it, that's a legitimate submission. Yeah, they hurt. But like you fuck. would have to somehow be able to do it. Yeah, you'd have to somehow get it on someone. Because to put a figure four on someone, if you've never done it before, and I'm pretty sure everyone's done it to someone in their life, yeah. you have to grab one foot, 
put that foot in the air without the other person putting up any, put, yeah, person putting kicking any out or anything. Then swirl around them whilst going woo. Whilst going whilst going woo, uh, grab their other foot. Just pick that up off the floor, you know, no bother. <laughs> <laughs> and then lie back and yeah, put apply. And it does hurt like fuck. Mm-hmm. But you have to let. But you someone... can't always roll over though. That's the problem. The weird thing is, is that also works. If you've ever had a figure four put on you and you roll it over, it does hurt the other person. It does, legitimately. It does. So the theory of it works. The fact that for you to put a figure four on someone, legitimately, they probably have to be knocked out already. Yeah. Sort of takes away from the mm-hmm. being able to do it in a real MMA or real shoot fight capacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so no no submissions that you saw. Not, not that were there, but there's loads that you could do. Like uh, you could, you've seen a reverse triangle. It's like yeah. a triangle, but from the back. Yeah, triangle. For, yeah, that's that'd be interesting. Yeah, to see that in progress. And but you you must have seen the video that was out there. Um, it was from um, a promotion, an MMA promotion out of Bolton, actually. Um, you must have seen the bloke who won by Walls of Jericho. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Legitimately, uh, I don't know the fighter's name, but it was a full full contact contender out of Bolton. And uh, yeah, a bloke legitimately won a fight with uh, Walls of Jericho slash Boston yeah. Crab. And it, what what was actually great is the commentators knew wrestling a little bit. Yeah. Um. So they called it the the Bolton Crab. The Bolton Crab. Yeah. That's quite funny. Yeah. And I mean, he didn't put it on quite as neatly as Jericho would have. When he did well, it. no, that's because he did it legitimately and fucking won the fight. Yeah. Oh, and a bloke won the other day with um, what? What's the kick called when you do like a somersault kick where you kind of go head over here? Oh, I saw that. The what's that? What's that kick uh, called? Rolling thunder. Yeah, he won with the rolling thunder. Yeah, did I saw that. That was fuck. That was a brutal knockout. Yeah, knockout. <laughs> it was. You wouldn't think it would hurt. So search, search this online. Uh, MMA fighter wins by a rolling thunder. Yeah. Basically, he does like a front flip calf kick. Um, it's not a Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder is uh, RVD's front somersault. It is Rolling Thunder, isn't it? That's that ro- a Rolling Thunder is RVD when he hits the ropes and does the front somersault. That's a Rolling Thunder. All right. Anyway, this you know ca- what I mean. The cartwheel, yeah. cart- like a cartwheel kick, innit? Yeah. So he does. He basically does a front flip calf kick, legitimate, and clocks this guy around the side of the head. And Knocks he just, him clean out. Just, yeah, not clean out. That was cool. I want. I do really want to see. I mean, I don't. I want to see somebody win by switching music. How how cool would it be in a, in a in a in a fight situation? Next time I spar, I'm going to try and do a switch in music. Yeah, you're going to stamp your foot for like ten minutes beforehand. I think that'd give the ghost away. <laughs> or it might just confuse them if they have no idea who Shawn Michaels is. Yeah. What the fuck's this cunt doing? Boom! Super kick. Yeah. Or what the fuck's this cunt doing with his guard down next to his leg? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to sweep him, him, put him on his ass, or I'm just going to fucking left hook him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well. Anyway. Anyway. We digress. We do. We digress. Next fight, um, Danny Jones versus Scotty Davis. Uh, Scotty Davis, another one of the Irish contingent, um, who is a, um, apparently a three-time um, Irish wrestling champion, amateur wrestling champion. Uh, so he, he knows he knows his grappling onions, as it were. And he also won the uh, Progress 2019 Natural Progression Series. Uh, just gone. You can watch that on YouTube, by the way, if you've not seen it, mate. It's very good. Excellent. It's a tournament. It's very good. Um, but yeah, but he he, he won that. Uh, they call him the Supreme Suplex Machine. Uh, he's a, he's a he's only an eighteen year old. I think he's eighteen, nineteen year old lad, and uh, he's kind of hipsterish looking. He's got a twirly mustache and whatnot. A lot of these Irish lads, they're very good looking lads. They're very boy band esque. 
Don't know why I felt the need to bring that up, but well, you know, boys, but boys own. They were Irish, weren't they? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, Westlife but... are Irish, I believe. Yeah. Lots of lots um, of Irish boy bands. Good-looking cor- people, the Irish. The, the, the cause they were women, obviously. The cause, yeah. Yeah, they were fit. They were, yeah. The Irish, good-looking. The Irish, good-looking bunch. The Irish sound funny. You but... say that, but like, why do why do Irish people have the uh... ginger hair? I wasn't going to say that. That's but... Scottish, actually. I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. But Irish people, they they kind of um, have the stereotypical um, reputation. For being toothless simpletons, though, don't they? Not really accurate, is it? I think that's because of the jippos. Is that the PC term, Scott? I believe so. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> the tra- the travelling man. The travelling community. The travelling community. T Bone, T Bone, and T Bone's family. Yeah. He's he's um, a, 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 a gypsy man. Do you like dags? <laughs> yes, but anyway. Um, and um, sorry, yeah, Scotty Davis, Danny Jones, I believe he was Welsh. Uh, oh yeah, I found an article on Wales Online. Um, um, a Welsh boy finishes his film degree and goes to wrestle in Japan. It's a very nice article. Um, yes. But um, unfortunately, the- I'm not taking the piss, but I didn't know anything about him. But his his name was Jones, so there was a good chance he's Welsh. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, and well, I was, he was right. He is Welsh. Oh, so. This match. Uh, yeah, Irish guy against the Welsh guy. Irish guy versus Welsh guy. Um, cracky match. Big, Lots of big, hard, hard suplexes. Um, Scotty Davis known for his um, suplexes. What sort uh, of suplex? If you're going to uh, put into a professional wrestling... Belly to backs, mainly. Belly to backs. Belly to backs. And I can't remember specifically in this match. Like I said, I'd been drinking whiskey by this point. Brought my Some own. Some whiskey. I brought my own. Classic Nick. I, I like to keep the costs down. If you bring your own drinks, it keeps the costs down. Does also prevent shows like this happening again, but never mind. I bought two. I still bought two pints. Okay, that's fair enough then. I, I still. I always buy at least one drink, which some people go up and buy one drink, but like I ain't got the money to be drinking the amount that I want to drink. No. <laughs> it's a it's an expensive. It says more about me that doesn't it? Expensive lifestyle. This whole uh, heavy drinking and wrestling. Yeah, I could be like the Sandman, even though I can't wrestle, but neither could he. So uh, there you go. Yeah, but he was cool though, wasn't he? He was kind of cool, I'd say. He yeah, had, he had charisma. Yeah, but anyway, um, I believe they were mainly belly to back suplexes. Mm. There might have been, if I'm not mistaken, I may well be mistaken, a full Nelson suplex, which I do like. A full Nelson suplex, you don't see him that often. Yeah, full Nelson. But fucking dangerous, like. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, slamming someone right in the back of the head's not. Well, you don't. You are. They arch, and you arch, and you don't. But you make it look like you do. Wrestling, indeed. Yeah, but um, yeah, Scotty Davis won this one. He was a big, big babyface in this one. Nobody was presented as either, but he was over to fuck. Yeah. Um. So um, he won that. Next what did he ma- win it with? Oh, son of a duty submission. I can't remember what. Okay. Submission. Submission. The whiskey was really flowing by this point. The, the whiskey was flowing by this point. How many uh, matches were there on the card, by the well, way? Well, this this next match was the last match before the uh, intermission. Okay. And I'll talk about this first before I talk about the match. What's your opinion on intermissions? Hmm. Because that's a very much... I mean, I don't know, but I believe it's very much a British indie thing. It's a good time for a beer and a piss. Yeah. Without, Do you reckon it ruins the flow of the show? Without missing too WrestleMania much. doesn't have intermission, does it? 
<laughs> it doesn't know which. <sighs> well, why, why do you think they do it? Because it's, it's a very, it's a very theatre thing to do to have an intermission, an isn't intermission. it? Intermission, first act and a second act. I think it might just be carrying over from that from the old British. Because if you go to see it, if you go to see a play in the theatre, they do have a first and a second half. Yeah, yeah, first it, act, second it, act. It's... Plays are written with a first and a second act. Yeah, and it it comes from in theatres purely for the fact they wanted people to go to the bar and buy buy drinks. That'll be it. Then. And buy a food. That's that's the. That'll only... be it. It's so the venue can make money, isn't it? Yeah, it's so the venue makes money. Oh well, that's fair enough. Then they should keep doing. Yeah, it. WrestleMania doesn't have it because the venue's already making a fuckload of money from ticket sales. Yeah. Um. So I think. Yeah, that actually. There you go. Actually, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on the side with intermission now. That'll be what it is. It's so the venue can make money. Venue can make money, so you get a yeah drink and a piss. Um, you don't have to pay for a piss in most venues, but mm. in terms of ruining the sh- the flow of the show. I've never exper- I've never felt that an intermission. But then you can go for a piss without missing anything, though. If you wait till yeah. intermission, can't you? I've never felt that an intermission at a show that I've gone to has ruined the flow of a show. Right. I have, however, experienced the feeling of a show being a bit slow. Yeah. And me wanting it to get to intermission. Does that, that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if that if there wasn't an intermission there, I don't know if that feeling would go away or if that yeah, feeling yeah whether it would build with the matches or being the, booked the way that they are or the matches book, build 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 like say for example um, I'm not going to, sp- to specifics of which particular Future Shock show it was um, but it was uh, it was one here in Presswich that we went to where I just felt like the matches weren't not that they weren't ordered correctly, but like the way the matches built was very much the opening match I felt was really really strong and good. The second match was good, you know, not more than good. Third match was just kind of okay. Mm. Fourth match was really slow and really boring. Mm. And then it was after the fourth match I was just like, thank fuck, there's an intermission so I can like right. just sort of like take my brain out of it for a second. Mm-hmm. Whereas I felt like that. Well, maybe that's not a booking thing. Maybe that's a re- yeah, a wrestlers thing or yeah, the way I all the reasons, other reasons the way I was perceiving it, sort of thing. But that was one time that sticks up my head, like saying I can't wait for intermission, like because. There's nothing worse than watching a wrestling match and being like, I can't wait for this match to be over. Especially seeing as I'm of the ilk of fan who doesn't enjoy booing. You know, Well, the, no, anybody who boos somebody who's there performing is a fucking knobhead. Yeah, I don't enjoy booing and I don't enjoy saying... Even when I'm there... You would I, only boo somebody who's healing and one yeah, of I would the only, boos. Yeah, I, I, I would only boo something because it was... Somebody who's healing for booze. Because I'm supposed to, yeah. Yeah. You know, just a comical, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. But because would, that's what they're looking for. They're I would never do, you know, this is boring or anything like that. I think it's so disrespectful. No, nah, that's that's a wanker's but move. when you feel that in yourself, like when you do think, <laughs> think to yourself, this is getting kind of boring, there's no worse feeling. Let's go to the bar. And some people do get off on the feeling of the thought of... Shout, uh, uh, the the thing of shouting this is boring mm. some people get off on that you know you do it's the same people that love ranting and saying everything's shit on Twitter every time the little thing changes mm-hmm. as for just going to the bar when that's happening I also the wrestling fan in me well let's almost, wait it out give him some respect yeah almost feels like I'm disrespecting it by turning like walking away from it you know uh, I mean? even it's like b- I have the same sort of feeling that like watching matches like that, especially on an indie show, that I have when I watch a local independent band. 
well, they've taken the trouble to rehearse these moves or rehearse these songs. Yeah, they've I'm, practiced I'm for a long him, yeah. time. This is what they've been waiting for. I'm going to give them the courtesy of watching. Yeah, I'm not going to turn my back and do something else. I'm going to sit no, and that's... watch. No, that's... Even when I, you know, if I see a band that I don't necessarily like, I'll sit it out because I know they're an independent band. But the band. thing is, Scott, me and you are, are both performers. You've played in bands. I've played in bands. I've done other stuff. Other people who have never performed maybe would not give people that courtesy because they don't know what it feels like. Yeah, true. Whereas you've probably played to fucking two man and a dog in a pub somewhere, haven't you? Oh, many times, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when people aren't paying attention, it doesn't feel nice, does it? No, it doesn't feel nice. When you've so got... we give people that courtesy because we have experienced that ourselves. A lot of other people may not put themselves in those shoes. I remember once. They think, oh, you're an entertainer, entertain me. I remember once playing a gig. And the f- the thing is, is we played it again. Tangent here, but it just reminded with, with, with which band, Scott? It just reminded me with my punk band. We were named what? At the time, we were named Penis Goes Where. Um, <laughs> I thought it was them. I just wanted yeah. you to see your band name. We put we, we played a game. What were you called again, mate? Just say it one more time, clearly. I played in a punk band called Penis Goes Where. Penis Goes Where? Question yeah. mark? Yeah, of course. It's a question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I played in a punk band called Penis Goes Where. Um, we were fairly small, but we played this show once that actually had a lot, a lot of people there, like loads of people there, and it felt amazing. It felt mint because it was the most people at the time that had ever come to watch us. And right next to me, so the stage is right near to where the people. Well, what was the venue, mate? Do I know it? Was I at this gig? It was a retro bar in Manchester. And right. the stage is very, very close to where the people who are standing and watching is, which all, for punk gigs, are the best ones. Yeah, it's just the floor, isn't it? Yeah, to basically. the left of me is a guy stood there, and in between the two song, in between two songs, uh, the singer was introducing the next song. And then we started the song, and I started the riff of the song, and this guy, like, in, still in, in earshot of me, and I'm playing a very, very fucking loud, through a very, very loud amp, just sort of had this rolled-eyed look on his face and just went, for fuck's sake, and just t- turned away and walked off. Wow, how yeah. did that feel? It felt brutal, especially despite there was tons of people there, because I heard him say that. Yeah. I was thinking, everyone's thinking that. They're just standing here to be polite for the rest of the show. It was horrible. But I'm sure... did You you, could, you couldn't enjoy the rest of the gig, basically? Not properly, because I was just like... I just felt really self-conscious the rest of the time. I went from feeling amazing because tons of people, because there there, people there, yeah. seemingly enjoying themselves and liking the songs to me literally hearing it, hearing and seeing a guy go and someone crush, and crush, crushing your dreams. For fuck's sake, and just walking away. So Jesus. Yeah. Well, there you go. Don't be rude, people. You'll ruin people's evenings. Yeah, I mean, you can have an opinion and you can express your opinions and stuff. but Don't, no, don't shout your opinion at a performer whilst they're performing. Yeah, especially if it's out. This is shit. You know, it's just like, you fucking get in and do that. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we, again, we digress. But that is... The intermission thing, I've never had a problem with it because I've always liked being able to go and get a beer and have a piss without missing anything. Yeah. More than yeah. anything else. And I think it's good for venues, especially I agree. You put it in shows. I, didn't, I don't know why I didn't think of that, but you put it in... It's an idea for the way for the venues to make more money, isn't it? Yeah. Which is good, which is needed for these indie venues. Yeah. Uh, but the last match of the first half before intermission was... Uh, the Young Guns, Luke Jacobs versus his... Oh, turn the mic around. I'm sorry, mate. The Young Guns, who I know you've seen wrestle before at Future Shock, fighting each other. Oh, wow. So Luke Jacobs versus Ethan Allen. 
Um, started cutting the teeth around Future Shock and Defiant and a few other promotions, and they're starting to really get out there. And um, these are fucking lads who definitely have a future in the business, a real future in the business. Uh, first time I saw them was at Defiant Show at the Academy. Um, and they were brought out by, um, you know, British world of sport legend Marty Jones, who he, he trained. they trained at their school. And they've really got this old British wrestling style about them combined with a more modern MMA style. And these are really young, fresh-faced lads. I think they're only 18 each. Uh, you've got Luke Jacobs, who I believe is the um, slightly more stocky one. Like, he's got a bit more muscle mass on him. And um, and uh, Ethan, uh, Ethan Allen's the slightly lighter one. But, like, these are some... These are some tough lads. Like these lads, these lads of only eighteen years of age, but the intensity that they brought to this match was second to none. Seriously, second to like intensity-wise, and like from their own demeanor and the ferocity that they brought to this, it was it was second to none for the entire night. They really, really kicked the shit out of each other, and you could tell that these were. I mean, I don't know, but I'm presuming these are young lads who have grown up together. Do you and think... probably have wrestled and play fighted their entire lives. And like, if you've ever played fight for or sparred with a friend, you always go harder than if you play fight or spar with somebody who you don't know. Do you think that the... Well, I suppose you've answered my question there. What I was going to say is, I imagine that their history as a tag team and how well they know each other very very much helped this match chemistry yeah helped the chemistry of this match and also in a way i suppose a lot of people who knew them as a tag team it would have helped you know those as an audience become very invested in this match oh i, w I was totally invested because i've seen them wrestle before and um, i'm pretty sure i wasn't at the show unfortunately i missed it I'm pretty sure they just beat the Grizzled Young Veterans for the Future Shock Tag Titles. Oh, really? Yeah, who are obviously the, uh, not any longer, were the WWE UK NXT Tag Champs. Yeah. Now it's um, uh, Soft Wales Subculture. Um, but they they beat a very, very accomplished tag team in that, and you can just see that, you, you could see the intensity, like they were going full throttle. And these are young lads with, with with energy and passion for the business, and you could tell that they they could fight. I wouldn't want to fight either of these lads. No, not 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 a chance. Not a chance. They had like some real ferocity about them. And um, I think it was Luke had Ethan in an armbar at one point, and his arm was fucking backwards. I have not seen a more snug armbar in a WWE ring ever. No. I don't think. His arm was fucking backwards. I've seen people tap to lighter arm bars in MMA fights. He is a, he was a nasty, brutal arm bar. Maybe he's a flexible kid. I don't know. But that was brutal to watch, and I loved it. <laughs> I like seeing that hard shit. It was, it was great. Amazing. And they like they were hard striking each other and like there weren't much breaks in the action. They were going pretty much full force the entire time. How about how long about did this last? Oh last? Christ, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. I think this was one of the long because this was basically, if you like, to put it in MMA context, this was the um headline match of the prelims, if you like. Mm. 
headline fight at the prelims. This was probably a good 10-12 minutes, this match, maybe more. Difficult for me to tell, tell because there's no official times or anything online. Yeah. And I was drunk. Um, it was one of the longer matches of the of the early... It was probably a good 10 minutes, I reckon. Um, but they were pretty much going full throttle the entire time. And, like, yeah, they were hitting hard, man. And uh, Luke ended up winning the bit... Like I said, the bit, he's, he's a slightly bigger lad. He ended up winning by submission. But, like, this was a brilliant match. It was a brilliant match, man. This Fib- could this, well, this could go on... We couldn't go on anywhere because the style of match it was, but these lads are going to fucking go somewhere. I'm telling yeah. you. Favourite match on the card? Probably that one. Yeah. But that's only intermission. There was a whole other half. So, obviously, coming up after intermission, there were more matches, believe it or not. How many more matches? So, how many total were on the oh, show? Oh, son of a cunt. Two... Three, four more matches. Four more matches. So it's what a eight match, nine match show. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How long did the entire event run? Uh, first bell was maybe seven indie show, so obviously it started later than that. Uh, and we were out by ten, maybe. Uh, so by indie show standards, it was a tight-ish ship. Hmm. Yeah. It's two and a half, three hours. Two and a half, three hours, yeah. But like I said, the match, there wasn't mm, any lollygagging. All the, the matches were all action and there were no promos and no yeah. mic work and out like that. Um, It was all action. So, like, by pacing standards, it was cracking because it was, it was basically constant action. Yeah. No lollygagging between matches, no entrance, no grand entrance. Like, people had entrance music, but they walked from one side of the archway to the other which took 30 seconds yeah. or less yeah it's like there was no grandstanding and people posing on turnbuckles and shit like that, that was just people would walk down with a game face on stand yeah. in their corner the other person would walk down with a game face on stand in their corner and then they'd fight yeah that was it so it, was, like a fairly, it was a fairly tight ship yeah so what's the next match? Uh, the next match. First match after intermission. It's got to uh, be a good one. Uh, well, yeah, these are, this is the end of the uh, top prospect matches. This is what they're calling a, This is a super fight they're calling this one. Yeah. A super fight. Uh, so it was uh, Dan Maloney, um, who you may remember from the... Uh, I think he was in the first um, NXT... Um, no, it wasn't NXT at the time, just the UK Championship Tournament. Yeah. Um, he's, an, he's an Asian guy from Birmingham. Um big stocky lad he wasn't as as much at the time but now he's, he's a big stocky lad with massive traps on him like he's a big scary looking big scary looking uh motherfucker now against a fellow who i didn't know um called um called alexander dean uh who's somebody who's been in the ring apparently for uh, 14 years uh he's been wrestling for a long time so he's one of the more experienced people on the show uh, it wasn't somebody that i was familiar with but by all accounts very um Accomplished, yeah. By all accounts, what his legitimate fighting background is, I don't know. Um, but um, this was the uh, the first super fight, and I, f- I feel like a little bit like a broken record, saying that they're all stiff match. They were all stiff, hard matches, and uh, this was uh, an absolute, an absolute other, other cracker. Um, so obviously, they're all going to be stitch stiff matches. Mm-hmm. How would you say that the styles of each match sort of differentiated in terms of how many matches were more like 
grappling, how many were more wrestling, how many the majority were more of them were more striking. The majority, the majority of them were more grappling based. Yeah, hybrid wrestling. Maybe the fir- I would have liked to have seen a bit more striking, to be perfectly honest. But I think what a lot of this came from. Well, I, to- I told you about Pancrase earlier. Yeah. Uh, so Pancrase, the rules were that you were allowed to palm strike, but. The idea was that you were supposed to be showing your wrestling acumen. Yeah. But to allow yourself to get into certain grappling positions, you were allowed to strike. And I suppose... But the idea is you're showing your wrestling acumen. Strikes on the ground and strikes standing were allowed and were permitted, but frowned upon. Because the idea is that you're showing your wrestling acumen. I suppose the more that you have a sort of a striking match as well the further away from the wrestling side of it you're getting, especially with this sort of legitimate contest. Mm-hmm. When you get more into the striking side of things, that's when you're leading back to w- more towards your MMA and your... But I think it's a good way to build as much as they want to have it more legitimate sports or not. Even in sports, very much so in MMA at the moment, you very much have good guys and bad guys. Yeah. Very much. Well, you have, I think... Not necessarily because they're portrayed that way, but because... Oh, in, M- in the fucking UFC, most certainly. Well, but... no, what I mean is is not necessarily because they're portrayed that way through storyline so much as people's personalities are allowed to come through and people will warm to others more than they... UFC is more pro wrestling than pro wrestling these days. I guess so. But... Look at Colby Covington. He's, 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 set, he's even said that is 100% an act. I guess so, but it's nothing... It's not like it's scripted. No. Do you know what apparently I mean? Apparently he does hire... Apparently Colby Covington actually hires writers. Well, I mean, I suppose that's... Yeah, that's not exactly... It's not It's not, it's not exactly um, Bruce Lee in honour and no, respect, is it? No, no, not at all. It's not exactly uh, authentic, I suppose, is the word. No, which is why... Um, but uh, the point I was trying to make was... Um, if the whole point of it is to show your wrestling acumen, even within the context of genuine sports... Um, it's a good way to build heel. So, like, for example, in early Pancrase, the Japanese at first hated Bas Rutan because Bas Rutan went into Pancrase as a Muay Thai kickboxer and won the majority of his fights by strikes, even though Pancrase is marketed as hybrid wrestling. That's what they call it. They call it hybrid wrestling. Yeah. But he won the majority of his matches. He learned how to grapple later. And won a lot of matches by heel hook and shit. But Bass Rutan always won with a liver kick. He won by kicks and, and, and yeah. palm strikes. Um, but you didn't see a great deal of the striking. As I said, in the first match with Veep Muller, you saw some heavy leather kicks. And you saw some in the young guns versus each other. Yeah. Some good ones. But the majority of them were people... People weren't going out there and throwing jabs and front kicks, really. No one knows. They were more going out... Like you see, like going for a hand, yeah. No Test one... of strength, going for a shot. No one's going to be sort of going up there with their guard up like they would in a traditional boxing match. No, no, not really. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. It w- I think would have made things quite honest. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the majority of people were w- grappling for position. Yeah, shall we say? Are we keeping you up, mate? No, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Fucking <laughs> hell! You've yawned about four times in a row. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry, this match was very good. Uh, Dan Maloney wins by submission. 
Dan Maloney was the big, big fan favourite in this match. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Dan Maloney wins that one by submission. Uh, the next match or fight, if you like, is the first that I've seen female shoot style match. Ooh. Yes. So we had uh, Danny Luna versus Millie McKenzie. Uh, Millie McKenzie, well known from uh, Progress, another young lady, only about 18 years of age, called Suplex Millie. But, like, she's a, a fairly average athletic looking lady, shall we say. So, like, she's not big, she's not small, she's an average athletic looking lady. She, I'd say she looks a bit like a gymnast or something like that. Yeah. Danny Luna uh, is a powerlifter. Wow. So yeah, yeah. Big... So she's not massive. She's not fucking massive, massive, but she's fucking thick set and strong. Like, Would you put these in different weight classes if this was. If this was a fight, fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Millie McKenzie was it's got to be a ban- uh, probably a bantamweight. Um, I'd probably say Danny Luna was probably maybe two weight classes above that. So. Uh, mm, I don't know, but she was shorter. Yeah, I would probably still say that Danny Lena was heavier. She was a, lot, a hell of a lot more thicker set. Yeah. Uh, but a little shorter. So diff- when you're weighing people, obviously height does come into it, doesn't it? Yeah. But basically, she was the powerhouse. Basically, Danny Luna. She started wrestling for NXT UK fairly recently. And she wrestled Progress as well. But um, interesting to see women throw down like this. Like, I've seen women fight MMA before. That's nothing new to me. That's been happening for a while. But, like... I've never seen a shoot style match like this with with women before, and like they brought they brought the ferocity. To be perfectly honest, they really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They brought the. Um... Was this again sort of into? Was this more of a a wrestling style match than strikes? Was there any sort of? The dynamic it... was um, Millie was quicker, obviously, being a bit smaller. Um, even though she did get the suplexes in because she's known for it, um, but like. I think Millie was fighting from underneath. Yeah. Uh, because Luna is more powerful. And, like, those hard... I think there's some hard uh, power bombs in this, if I remember correctly. Power bombs? Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Nice. They're power bombs, yeah. It's a, it's a well-known... Well, it's a well-known spot from uh, MMA, which you see replicated in, in wrestling quite a lot. Um, In the early 2000s, it was um, Ricardo Arona fought Rampage Jackson... Uh, the, 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 so the spot the spot is, and this happened in a genuine fight. Um, you've got your jiu-jitsu man on the bottom, yeah. obviously, as they often are, and you've got your wrestler on top. Yeah, you know he's got the mount, and he's kind of starting to stand up. So what does a jiu-jitsu person do from the bottom? Is they try to cinch that arm bar in, don't they? So they yeah. put the legs over the shoulders and they crank back on the arm and try and pull back. But if your wrestler is strong enough, what do they do? Stand up. Just stand up. Powerbomb me. Stand up and uh, and powerbomb you. Like a uh, Brock Lesnar multiple powerbomb to Spike Dudley sort of style. If you like. Yeah. But um, when uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to post it. There'll be a gif of it. Um, the uh, Rampage Jackson versus Ricardo Arona bomb. And it's fucking vicious to watch because it's a genuine powerbomb that he's not expecting. He's not tucking his head or anything like that. And you see the man's head just... Did, obviously, this didn't happen in this match because... Yeah. It was still a hard-ass powerbomb that must have hurt yeah. a lot. But when you see Ricardo Arona, his head just goes da-dink off the, off the, off the ring. And this isn't off a wrestling ring. <laughs> this is off a boxing ring for all intents and purposes. Ugh. And then he follows it up with two, three hard strikes and the match is over. That's fucking... I'll have to, I'll have to show you that. That's mate. brutal. Um, that is brutal. Um, but um, 
uh, yeah, you've got a couple of power bombs in this match, and uh, Danny Luna ends up winning by um, by referee stoppage. Actually, this one. Oh, really? Um, so, um, TK- like a, is that TKO? I suppose it would be a TKO, but they just they just called it referee stoppage. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, uh, Danny uh, after throwing Millie to the uh, mat, basically just carries on pounding her, and she can't defend herself. Oh, a bit of ground and pound. A bit of ground and pound. So she wins by ground and pound. Excellent. Basically. Uh, but that was interesting to see the lasses fucking throw down like that. Yeah, interesting to see the lasses throw down like that. Um, yeah, it was um, it was an absolutely uh, absolute cracker. So this is the uh, co-main event, if you like. Uh, we might go off on a bit of a tangent here. Okay. Um, but this is um, David Starr. You know David Starr? I've heard of David Starr, yes. I'm sure, I'm sure you might have seen him wrestle with me. Oh, I didn't get... I was going to get his full um, introduction... Out, but prepare it. He has a really good long introduction. Yeah. Uh, fighting um, a guy who I wasn't aware of, but a guy who, by all accounts, is a fucking stud on the indies. Uh, a guy called A Kid. Uh, he's a Spanish guy from Madrid who lives in Burnley now, apparently. And he is the youngest ever man to have a five star match by Dave Meltzer. Really? Yeah. Under what promotion? Oh, now you're fucking asking me. Let's see if this link works. I've got a. YouTube. D- Dave Melter doesn't whip out five star matches that often. No, no, he doesn't. No. So here we go. This is A Kid versus Zack Saber Junior. Um, Melter fucking loves Zack Saber Junior. The so triple much. double championship. Never heard of it. Um, Le triple White Wolf Wrestling. Uh, it seems like it was in. Um, yeah, it must have been Spain. He's a Spanish man. Uh, White Wolf Wrestling. Uh, in 2018, the 14th of the 4th, 2018, A-Kid fought Zack Sabre Jr. 20 years of age at the time. Got a five-star wow. match. 20 years old and you're getting five-star matches. I've not watched the match yet. It is down here. I need to bloody watch it. Um, but I didn't find the time to watch it today before we recorded. But uh, A-Kid, the first, uh, well, the youngest guy to ever get a five-star match at only 20 years of age. Um... He was fighting, as I said, David Starr, who's a massive star on the indies at the moment. Um, are you aware of David Starr's stuff that he's trying to do to start a wrestlers' union? I'm not, no. No? I've heard bits and pieces about different wrestlers wanting to start a union and then other wrestlers talking about how that would be so beneficial or would kill the industry, depending on who you talk to. Uh, but David Starr, he's, he's, he's kind of starting a wrestlers union now as we speak he has he has a company called we are the independent uh they sell they started to sell shirts and whatnot and um a percentage of those shirts uh all go into a pool of money and they're basically they put they're putting wrestlers into equity oh really yeah yeah so that they all get benefits and so we're like if a promoter welches on the contract um you can actually turn to equity um, if you get injured on a show, for example, you can actually turn to Equity for help and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, man's actually trying to start um, a wrestlers' union, and he's getting some some a bit of traction with it. He's uh, actually got his own podcast. I listened to the first one on the way over here. It's really good. Um, you should listen to it. I will give that a listen. It's an interesting sort of concept mm-hmm. uh, because it's. I think it's a awesome idea. And it, but it's going to really have to take off for it to get any sort of traction because. You know the the wrestling industry is now so vast, and there are so many wrestlers that that's going to have to be a really big. 
big union to have a to have a significant effect if that makes sense uh to a degree but like the kind of like I say if they're doing it through equity equity is its own union yeah performers union mm-hmm. um and there are wrestlers out there who are actually members of equity apparently uh Pete Dunne and Jimmy Havoc are apparently members of equity oh really yeah so if they've got any contract disputes they can turn to their union for help oh wow i didn't know that which is that's great really isn't it it is very good um I don't understand the argument that some wrestlers have, old school wrestlers have, saying that it'll kill the industry. I don't understand the argument whatsoever because no. for years and years, wrestlers on the well, it's, inside. It's, 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 you've got to pay your dues, kid, innit? Yeah. That's and what it is. It's, you've got, you've got to pay your dues, kid. have said how a union would, have, would help so many problems. I suppose there's the argument if there was a wrestler's union from the beginning, Vince McMahon wouldn't be a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. Yeah. You know, the the WWE wouldn't be the, you know, huge capitalist machine that it is. But you may well not have as many wrestlers who were addicted to pain pills with mental health problems and broken, you know, and broken down people. Yeah, you wouldn't wouldn't have... I suppose, yeah, because at the end of the day, the amount of wrestlers that go through the addiction... And need rehab and all that sort of stuff. Not so much these days, thankfully. Not so much these days, but back in the day, the wrestlers that got help was basically down to the WWE's discretion, who they gave help to and who they didn't. Mm -hmm. They they did help a lot of people. They they helped a lot, a lot of people. Um, I believe uh, it was Scott Hall that they claimed that the amount of help that they gave him like reached millions and millions of dollars trying to Mm -hmm. put him through rehab uh, multiple times. But I'm sure there's also woes of wrestlers who, you know, wrestled maybe... A handful of times for WWE and got loads of stuff happened to them by misfortune and just ended up nowhere. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. you know you can argue that well that's their fault. I mean, it's a massive can of worms that we could really get into here. Yeah, but, and um, I'm not I'm not as informed on it as I would like to be. To, listen to, to the pod, listen deeper, to the podcast, but, man. It's it's absolutely fascinating. But basically, what they're trying to get is the same rights for the wrestlers who work for Vince McMahon. Say what you fucking want, they do work for him. They're not independent contractors. Yeah. As they actually put them as independent contractors. Do you know why? Because they don't get medical and pensions and shit like that, like the office workers do. Yeah. Yeah, they don't get anywhere near as much uh, protection mm-hmm. legally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more for independent workers, basically. So what they're trying to get is um, a standard for workers at the shows, basically. Yeah. So for there to be a medic at every show, for food to be provided, and for people not to welch on contracts, basically. Yeah. But anyway, like I said, I said which I'd... I think is a fantastic thing. I think I bring on a wrestlers' union. Mm-hmm. It can only be good. My main th- th- thoughts on it are uh, there are so many wrestlers in the world that you know this is this is going to have to be a the really mainly UK. Big... He's talking UK because yeah. he's, he's talking UK. He's based out of UK mainly. Yeah, it's just my my main thought was that there's so many wrestlers in the world. This is going to have to be a really big big movement. thing. Yeah, big movement to happen. But more power to him. Fight the power. Of course. Anyway, sorry, like I said, I digress into politics slightly there for a moment. Um, but, yeah, the match match was absolutely fire. Um, David Starr outweighed A-Kid by a fair bit, um, but he, he, he gave as good as he got. They kicked the shit out of each other, and uh, David Starr won by knockout with a lariat so hard that it would make JBL blush. Ooh. Yeah, man, it was nasty to hear. <laughs> Um, but um, fair play to David Starr and then as British wrestling fans do they always start a nice chant don't they yeah 
British wrestlers, British British wrestling fan loves loves to chant. Every oh, this this was a good one though. So it was um, what was it now? Uh, David Starman waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet you, but he wants to unionize. David Starr. That's nice. good. That's good. That's if good. they came up with that on the spot, I've got an opener here. I've got an opener here somewhere, man. Opener. Looking for his bottle opener. It's Miller time. Heineken, Heineken time. Heineken time. Not a sponsor. Neither. <laughs> Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Neither Miller. Neither is Estrella. Neither is Estrella. No. No, it is Rooster Brewing or Jack Daniels. We've got much more chance with Rooster Brewing. What's that? Be- Be- Are you drinking a beer called Behemoth? Or we're drinking a beer called Behemoth? I was, yeah. They must be a local brewery, are they? Yeah, they are. Behemoth, do you like wrestling? Hit us we up. Have no f- we're not really in the industry, but we like it. Do you want to sponsor us? Yeah, it's tasty. I mean, I've drank one can. It's pretty good. Shouts Behemoth. Money, please. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Moving on to the main event of the evening. Um, this one is for the WXW, or Westside Extreme Wrestling, um, Unified World Wrestling Championship match. Michael Buffer is shit in his pants now, by the way. He should do. Impressive. I think that, that was a good... That was obviously Michael Buffer impression. It was pretty uh, good. Well, well, I didn't catch that. I thought, you know. It was a good impression. Give me some kudos, mate. It was good. Uh, <laughs> you gave me kudos. Um, champion Tim Thatcher versus Jordan Devlin. Ooh, Jordan Devlin on the show. Yes, yes, in the headline fight. Um, Swirl. Really, I've, really, I've really grown to like Jordan Devlin recently. Yeah. Like, I didn't, start... When I first saw him, when I first saw him, wasn't the world's biggest fan. When I first saw him, I just thought, why does this guy look exactly like Finn Balor? With a massive head. Yeah, like why, you know, Finn Balor, when he came along, was so unique in a lot of ways. Why do we need another one? But I am with you. You're one of them wankers. But no, I mean, I didn't think that. I just didn't think too much of him when I first saw him because I didn't think when I first saw him was in the first UK Championship tournament. And I'm not necessarily a body guy, but he was very slight when I first saw him. But now he's put on, he looks like an athlete. And he fucking, I'm sure he is an athlete. He could have battered me then, I'm sure. I'm sure he could have done. Probably, I'm yes, sure he I could have bat- so. battered me then. But I don't know. Like He didn't look as intimidating first time I saw him wrestle. Yeah. He was good, but like I wasn't necessarily sold on him. Mm. Now, I really believe him with this like nasty motherfucker. And like he is a good, nasty motherfucker. By all accounts, he's really handy and he can box as well, apparently, by all accounts. like He used his footwork in this, in this fight quite a bit. Uh, Tim Thatcher, not necessarily the most familiar with him, but by all accounts, he's a bit of a uh, legend on the American Indies. I always thought he was British. Tim Thatcher sounds like an old English wrestler, doesn't it? Does yeah. Sounds Does. like a little Les Kelly or a fucking. He sounds like he should live. Tim Tim Thatcher lives in a cottage in Surrey, about you know forty miles from London. Very leafy. Yeah. Uh, has maybe two or three local pubs. A shooting, you know, a, a uh, clear pigeon shooting range, and they all vote, vote conservative. conservative. Oh, I wouldn't have thought he was more like that. I was thinking of a, a Tim Thatcher as more like, um, more like an old world of sport wrestler. Maybe a little bit more like, um, like Les Kelly or someone like that. Like Tim council Thatcher. estate, not necessarily, but like you know, eight r- tins. rough, tough, drink special brew. Yeah, uh, like so, he, but, he, but he can definitely—he's got a beer belly, but he can grapple. Anyone. When you think Tim Thatcher, in my mind, you either think quintessential right-leaning 
countryside British man who yeah. wears a lot of tweed. Yeah. Or drinks eight cans of special brew, lives in a council house, and batters fuck out of his neighbour when their dog's too loud. Uh, well, he's a um, an American man from Sacramento. Ah. But I don't know why Tim Thatcher. I always thought he was English, but he's not. Uh, he's a cracking, cracking wrestler, though. He's uh, the the um, toner. Um, he's the uh, longest reigning Evolve Championship, uh, champ- Evolve Champion, I believed. Um, but I believe. Um, but I believed I can fly. Woo! But he outweighs Devlin by a good thirty some pounds there. Oh, easily really? so Devlin's fighting all the way from 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 underneath with this one but he, he he's giving his as good as he can get and he's using his footwork he's circling really well which I quite liked about yeah. this uh, you didn't really see that from any other matches in this in, in this entire this entire thing and many many hard suplexes and backs and forths and I'm sorry I'm not being great on the old play by play here but fucking it's quite alright the whiskey was gone by this point the whiskey was gone <laughs> he drank the whiskey mm-hmm. he'd had his two pints it was the last match in, and um, he's about to cry like I did when I watched Kurt Angle. <laughs> not quite, not quite. But um, it was for a title, and it was for um, a title which wasn't native to these shores. It was unlikely it was going to change hands anyway, because I mean the, the WXW ref was there; he was officiating hmm. the German ref. Um, but it didn't change hands. But it was. It was brutal, and in the end, the big man was just too much for the smaller man, and Thatcher won by stoppage. Oh, really? Another Sorry, yeah, so this was the second stoppage of the night. He just battered fuck out of him until he couldn't defend himself no more. Fucking hell. Um, but they shook hands at the end, like the good sportsmen that they were, and that was the end of the night, mate. Good show overall, then. Do you want to see... Cracking show. I would... Unfortunately, they're not doing any more, apparently. Do you think the... Is call for shoot style in the UK? Yeah, there's a lot of room for it. Do you think? Because you've got to think. Yes, but they could. They can't be. They couldn't be frequent shows. No, because this sort of hybrid type of promotion, where they're bringing on people that are known from the professional wrestling indie scene, mm-hmm. obviously that can't happen all the time because you're going to fucking injure loads of people who have potential in professional wrestling in the future. That's why you couldn't have the matches that often. <laughs> yeah, but do you think that the there's enough of a interest or crowd interest in it. I reckon if the, I mean, I'm stealing this because, like I said, I listened to your man. Oh, uh, the bloke who runs this show. If I didn't say before, one of the blokes who runs the show is called Craig Hall. Um, I know that because he emailed me because I emailed him asking about tickets. Uh, there were no tickets, physical tickets, but he emailed me back himself, which was nice. Nice. Um, Couldn't have asked him to be on the show, but you know, I never, I didn't see him at the show. I didn't meet him or anything like he had his that. His fucking email address. I do have his email address. Craig Hall, do you want to be on our show? You'll get this by magic. By ma- <laughs> you got a man who ran the show's email address, and it didn't cross your mind to ask him if you wanted to be on the show to talk about it. I, I didn't want to bother him. I've got The Rock's phone number, but I'll not bother using that one day. Well, all right. Maybe I might do next time if I get someone's email address. Okay. Um. I mean, his could be fine. Well, do you know? We'll well, do- maybe I will message him then. But anyway, what was I fucking saying then? Yeah, so Craig Hall's run the show. Yeah, and prior to that? Prior to that, we were talking about the amount of room that there is for this sort of promotion. Oh, right, that was it. Yeah, yeah. So he said on Tuesday Night Jaw that he didn't think so. And uh, Matthew Saylor Richards, 
believes that there is room for it, but maybe if you did maybe three shows a year and promoted them as one-off events because you do get these kind of bespoke wrestling events yeah. now that people run like um, Schadenfreude and Friends did one <laughs> and uh, Fight Club Pro to a degree, which isn't in Manchester anymore. Um, but like, so long as the few and far between and far apart and you have the chance to promote them, like, but the thing is, I'm saying this from a fan's point of view. The promoters are probably fucking losing money putting these shows on. Yeah, especially when people show up and drink fucking whiskey that they brought with them. That the bar money's <laughs> not going to the fucking wrestling promoter. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, uh. Excuse me. Um, I believe there is the interest if you're doing few and far between and promote them right, in my non-expert opinion. What the fuck do I know? Um... But I don't know if the promoters are losing money. The promoters might be losing money. They could well be because you think they've got to pay every wrestler that's on there. A lot of them, well, a lot of them, fair few of them are coming from overseas. But like, well, Ireland, you'd have to get flight out from Ireland. Fair few from Germany. Fair few like refs from Germany as well. Yeah, I mean, it could be done with local people, but and like the the you na- want to get good bookings. You don't just want to put fucking the Johnny names J- you've got as well. Yeah, you don't just want to put fucking Johnny Kickpads on the show, do you? How much were tickets? Twenty pounds. Twenty pounds. You estimate about one hundred and fifty people there. Maybe, maybe less, maybe more, maybe less. Don't know, but we'll we'll take that as an average. So yeah. that's like three thousand pound. That's fuck all. And like what I said, I said there was what eight matches. Eight matches. Two wrestlers each. Plus venue hire. Plus so eight matches. So crew hire. Sixteen wrestlers. Ring. I would I would hazard to guess is they didn't make money off the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough going, man. Yeah, it is. I'm sure being an independent wrestling pro uh, isn't all uh, sunshine and uh, rainbows and strawberries. Even nowadays, like the likes of, you know, ICW and Progress and stuff. Like, even those promotions which are well-known and popular. And I'm sure they have lots of business dealings and stuff with WWE when you've seen the amount of wrestlers Merch that sort of transfer, and transferred and merchandise and stuff like that, yeah. But I can't imagine it being an easy business to be in. No, nah, they're not going to be rolling. Even, 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 even now when it's popular, I can't imagine it to be Very a, lucrative. No, because especially with WWE still being that sort of big powerhouse, mm-hmm. in a way, and again, I don't know anything about it, but in a way, WWE sort of, working with those having a working relationship with those companies in a more friendly way is putting its stance on top of them being like yeah we'll work with you You know what i mean like we're going to control you by working with you rather than trying to stamp you out yeah well this is the whole argument against the likes of nxt uk isn't it yeah or is it an argument with NXT UK? What's your point, mate? Sorry. Just clarify so, one more like, time. Say, for example, like ICW are well-known to have a working relationship with WWE. Yes. By having that working relationship with WWE, mm-hmm. WWE indirectly still have a element of control over how well ICW does. Do they? I mean, like they'll allow people to go back to their shows, for example, once in a while. But they don't have any control over ICW's content. Like ICW is still putting on whatever show they want. Yeah, but ICW will also only ever become big, as big as WWE lets it become because as soon as they've got a sort of plethora of wrestlers that become huge, mm-hmm. WWE be like, "Can we have those for our shows, please?" 
Well, they just probably say no. Well, no, because well, I don't know, but you. Well, you, no, we don't, do we? We don't. We don't. We don't know, but you know what I mean. Like, it's not like if I don't believe it. I mean, I really don't know, but I don't believe it works like that. Like, it, no, I just don't fucking know. I'm not going to speculate. <laughs> I just, I just speculate that even though WWE is obviously now opening up relationships with independent companies mm-hmm. for talent and for feeders of talent and for you know sending stuff back and forth it still is allowing those companies only to become so big if that makes sense this is true but i i mean is there any likelihood that they would get any bigger than ecw ever did no but i'd say i would theorize that them having a working relationship with wwe puts a massive massive um doubt in them ever having their own like TV time, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe. You maybe. Know, possibly. I don't know. It's just a. The- it's just a sort of. We are theor- We are theorizing, theorizing speculating, speculating, and uh, I don't know. These sort of shows are quite interesting, man. This show was top, mate. You would have liked. It's a shame you couldn't have come. I couldn't go, unfortunately. No, but no, it was a crack. It was an. It was. It was an absolute cracker. And if they do do it again, you got to go. Yeah. Um. Well, we've just bought tickets for um, uh, another show, haven't we? Yes, we're going to. Uh, so back into so our usual sort of show. Well, I say usual. We usually do all sorts of shows, but our current series that we're in that this has this show hasn't been a part of is called Horrible History. Z- horrible histories. Horrible, horrible hi- history. You named it. You couldn't. Horrible history. Yeah, because the Horrible Histories is a popular kids' television show. I couldn't remember which was which. <laughs> we're the ones who don't make money from it, and it's. <laughs> It's actually a book series, first and foremost, you Neanderthal. Right. But uh, anyway, so Horrible History, which is our usual show, which is uh, a deep dive look into the history of hardcore wrestling at the moment. Uh, we started all... I'd call it a medium dive. Medium dive. Yeah, it, we well, we started all the way back in 1908, and then we... Well, the series is a deep dive, but we don't go that in-depth on each decade, because you could spend fucking Forever. hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and all of them. So we started in 1908, and then we did a show. We do, we've done various shows anyway, sort of up until we're currently on the 90s. And in the 90s is when deathmatch wrestling became popular, and Nick and I are actually going to a deathmatch wrestling tournament. Yeah, it's called uh, it's called DOA. Um, it's in Liverpool. It's in Liverpool. It's a company called TNT, who I'm not even that aware of. Um, but they're based out of Liverpool, so they're not even very far away from Manchester. And uh, we're going to be going, and it's yes. going to be a deathmatch tournament. And um, we're not yeah. wrestling. No, we're not. We're not, we're not wrestling. No, uh, but I'm quite excited. I'm very excited. Um, um, yeah, there's going to be a former a former tournament, a former CCW tournament of death winner there. Uh, a guy called Jimmy Lloyd. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's a former CCW tournament of death winner. And there's other pe- there's other people there. The majority of them I know. Some of them I don't. Uh, like Session Moth, Session Moth Martin is going to be there. Yeah. Um. So that's going to be interesting. So it's a deathmatch tournament with a lass in it. A it's lady. an int- it's an interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting seeing this sort of thing in England. Yeah. I think because we're used to just watching it all f- through the interwebs and stuff in the United States and Mm -hmm. uh, Japan and stuff that happens. It's going to be interesting seeing something this ultra-violent actually in the UK right on our doorstep. Yeah. To see how, especially in these like sort of modern times, how it's going to translate over because 
once again, it's a niche audience. It's a niche audience. We're niche people. I think we'll like it. Yeah, but it's a niche audience. But the majority of UK fans are... Indie, obviously, UK indie fans are more into that sort of, you know, NXT UK progress sort of stuff. And you don't see that many hardcore matches on those. And death they match. are fewer and further between. They are out there. They are but, out but there. This is going to be ultra violent, apparently. Yeah, but the yeah the ultra violent sort of death matches isn't something you see. So it'll be interesting to just see how it goes over. What the crowd's going to be like there? Are we going to be there with a load of fucking psychopaths? Uh, or are they going to be well adjusted? Are they going to be well adjusted young gentlemen? Or are we going to be there with fucking English jugglers? Yeah, or there with families who don't know what they've fucking bought the ticket for? Doubtful. It's an eighteen. S- it's an eighteen. Screaming. Plus. It's an eighteen plus show. <laughs> screaming children everywhere. No, it's gonna be, it's an eighteen plus show. Where's John Cena? Oh, <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah. I uh, know it's going to be very violent, and I'm hoping. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of violence, I know no one likes hearing about anyone else's dreams. Like when they've had not dreams and aspirations, as in you know, when someone dreams in the evening, because um, it's usually incredibly boring. But last night I had a dream that uh, Jerome Young, New Jack, <laughs> your your buddy Jerome, my buddy Jerome, friends with them on Facebook. But uh, yeah, New Jack managed to stow himself away in my loft without me knowing for two hundred days. <laughs> How did you know it was two hundred days? Because he was bragging about it when he came down. <laughs> And when he came, you had a go, sorry, go, 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 go. I had a dream that New Jack stowed himself away and was living in secret. Attic. Li- li- living in secret in my loft. Attic for the American audience. Living in secret in my uh, in my loft and uh, came down and he was a very menacing. You man. haven't got a fucking loft? Uh, yeah, I do. Is there a loft here? Yeah, of course there is. It's uh. a fucking house. Of course there's a loft. What do you think's ab- above our head? The roof. And what's between the ceiling and the roof? Pigeons. In the loft. Alcoves. With. New Jack. Okay. <laughs> With New Jack. <laughs> and he came down and he was a very threatening presence. He's in bra- He was even bragging to me that he had women up there as well without me knowing. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. But so yeah, ca- that happened. You uh. had a dream that New Jack was in your loft. He came down. As a and stowaway. Like, and he's like, yeah, motherfucker. As a stowaway. I was in your loft, motherfucker. And he came down. And, and I like, had the ring rats up there. <laughs> and yeah. And he was very thre- threatening. And they paid for my hotel. They paid for my... This yeah. and that. This hotel, which was my loft. Yeah. Yeah, it was very scary. Weird. Right. On that bombshell. <coughs> yeah. So should we wrap up today's show? Let's wrap up, mate. I have no more to say. Yeah. Apart from that, shoot style is sick. Uh, there should be more of it in the UK. Um, if Tetsujin is fucking dead, it's a shame. Um, but it's a great three shows. Excellent. The third one, my favourite, because it's the one I went to. Brilliant. Uh, I think I'm going to put this up as a sort of unedited special show, um, and we'll put it up more or less straight away because the show just happened, so Mm -hmm. it'd be a shame to leave it as long as the horrible histories go. Mm -hmm. Um, So this will be up, well, more or less straight away, and then our Horrible History series continues. As always, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all those sort of brilliant things. Google Anything podcasts. you can review us on. Give us a little sneaky little fucking yeah, review. Yeah, check there. us out on Twitter at Fab Heel Nerds. Uh, check out the worldwide wrestling podcasting network that we set up. Shout out to all the shows on there. The Lee Everett Show. No one thinks you're a dickhead. Uh, sorry about that. You'll know what I mean. Um, the 
what's that other one called that we this is very casual usually we're a lot more, <laughs> we're a lot more um, prepared than this what's that other thing called that's really good um the we there's, there's a couple of this too raw and order raw and order the, the raw and order check out raw and order is like uh, crimes in professional wrestling that one's really really good yeah that's quite good that's quite interactive uh, we've not interacted too much but um we should do a shout out um so basically it's, it's kind of like things you want to um bury if you like so crime so things that you want to um yeah, you, you think are silly and want to put up on trial. Indeed. Uh, that podcast is really, really good. Um, check out all those. Uh, this has been a very casual... Oh, and what's your man called? I've listened to it half of it. Only, only half I was busy. Uh, is it Keith? Who's Keith? Keith. Keith McCleary, is it? Keith McCleary's yeah, podcast. Yeah, very, yeah, he, very good. He, he shouted us several times, so nice nice one, Keith, mate. Yeah. Tatness is his show. Yeah, Tatness, check out that. Uh, it's been a very casual sort of approach to this show, but it's a As review show. As opposed to the fucking button-down... Button down. Yeah, I'm not going to fucking edit this one. Put it that way. Seriously, so. you're not editing it. No, I can't be arsed. It's too I long. I mean, it's all never edited. It's all completely. It comes out as it is. It always. is. We usually speak very, very smoothly. Yes, no, the, lip, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the no tongue. No ums and ahs or Nick hacking up phlegm balls usually. You uh, yawned about four <coughs> times in a row. Yawns are silent. No, I could hear them. Oh right. Anyway. All right. Peace, people. Right. See you next time. Be sure to check us out at Fab Heel Nerds. See ya. Bye.